I'm Larry Bishop, and you're listening to the World is Wrong podcast. We're here to tell you how the world is wrong. The world is wrong about the second annual Oscars. <laughs> Welcome to a very special episode of The World is Wrong, an extremely positive podcast where we celebrate films and film artists the world is wrong about. Yes, you tuned in to the Noscars episode where we celebrate the films that received no nominations for the other awards, the Academy Awards. There is no Academy here. <laughs> it's just a bunch of... <laughs> Anarchist weirdos, not like specifically associated <laughs> as anarchists, but there is a certain anarchy to the way that we, a peaceful anarchy that, to the way that we go about uh, our business here. But uh, we do have a long list of nominees. I am one of your hosts. My name is Andras Jones. And I'm one of your hosts, and my name is Brian Connolly. And you're probably the biggest fan of the Academy Awards that I know. You, you live and die by their decrees. The films that they until this podcast, until you refuse to view anything that the Oscars did not deem worthy. That's been your film list, right? That's that's correct. Uh, wrong. <laughs> the opposite. Actually, I can't even remember the last best picture I've seen. The last best picture I saw was. Gosh, No Country for Old Men? Like, that was a long time ago. <laughs> so, like, I haven't seen anything that's won Best Picture since then. Since uh, then, it's all yeah, been no movies for this man. <laughs> yeah, he's watched nothing. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so just so people know, the way, uh, what what we're going to be doing here is we're, we're, we have a few guests or a couple of guests who are joining us. You, you may remember them. Of course, you know A.J. Gonzalez, who is Brian's co-host on the director's wall podcast regular contributor to the world is wrong podcast and our old friend jen brown they both were on our last noscars episode an epic affair we're going to try and keep this one a little bit shorter not trying to do like the actual academy awards and and try and <laughs> keep the attention of people who <clears throat> need for uh, you need, need for there to be less movies in a movie award show. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we just said we, we, we have fewer contributors, maybe because last time was, uh, was not as fun for them as it was for us. But <laughs> at least AJ and Jen have decided to join us. They have long lists of nominees. That's what we call our, uh, the, the films and the film artists. We are celebrating them. They did not receive nominations from the Academy Awards, and so they are eligible to become our nominees for Noscars. And of course, we're celebrating uh, not just films, but uh, television shows. It's all cinema as far as we're concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And because uh, most of these films, right, we, we don't really watch. We watch very few of them on big screens, sadly. Even in a <laughs> even in a pre-pandemic year, I feel like most people. Yeah. You know, if you go out to 12 movies a year, that's a lot. And that's yeah. nothing. Like, you're not going to see most yeah. <laughs> of the, the best films that way. So yeah. um, have I told them, have I, have, I, have I given all the information about what the Noscars are for someone who's just tuning into this as their very first World is Wrong podcast? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I think I think where people get confused is they'll they'll think, oh, what about this movie? And we'll think, well, that's up for best costume. And that, so that doesn't, we can't count that. Like last year, 
uh, we had Nigel try to sneak in the, the Spike Lee uh, to five bloods. Vietnam War movie, but it was up for something. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, it was, it was up for an best award. song. It was really <laughs> and for that's <laughs> best song. And insulting. so you know, it, it it's just uh, that's just the rules though. The rules are it can't be up for anything, nothing, no Oscars at all. It can be up for a Raspberry. It can be up for a Razzie, but it can't be up for an Academy Award for it to count. That's just the rules, man. Since you brought them up, because the Razzies are our natural enemies. Not that we have <laughs> particular animosity to any of the people there, but that like literally they are. we are here to celebrate the films that their whole raison d'etre is to shit on. And so, yeah, we would like to see them... Uh, Die. You know. <laughs> well, we will always be. Honestly, we will always be. It will be engaged in an eternal battle with that kind of thinking. Even if the Razzies were to go away, <laughs> there would still be people who take pleasure in tearing things down. And then there are people like us yeah. who take pleasure in standing between those things and those people yeah. and saying, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, who are the? What are we? Who are the fuck? What what fuck yous do we have for the Razzies this year? Who have they chosen to pick? Well, on? I think the what I I haven't seen most of these movies, but I have a feeling there's some movies that are going to be on your list that are up for Razzies. Um, and I don't want to give away what's on your list yet, but maybe this can give you just an idea. Uh, the Last Duel is up for worst supporting actor for Ben Affleck. Uh, the House of Gucci. Up for War Supporting Actor for Jared Leto. So they're really going after Ridley Scott's two movies for supporting actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the re- the rest is kind of like fish in a barrel. It's like, we're going to go after uh, Space Jam, the new Space Jam movie. We're going to go after... The weird one is Dear Evan Hansen, because I thought people liked that movie. But I guess the Rises are like, no, that movie sucks. Um... <laughs> I think every, everyone I've heard, everything I've heard about that film is not good. All right, but, well, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's like, it's kind of, they kind of went weird where they picked movies I never really heard. Like, Diana the Musical. I don't know what that is. I guess it was something on Netflix that they thought was bad. Um, Diana Ross? about A musical about no, Diana these, Ross? No, uh, it's Princess Diana. Um, they really didn't oh. like The Woman in the Window, the Joe Wright thriller. They were not into that. Um, Rennie Harlan up for Worst Director for The Misfits. So like it's oh, kind of well. like nothing. <laughs> nothing. Hold on a second. Uh, just on on principle alone, the idea of Rennie Harlan using the title from one of the great films of all time, The, <laughs> the Misfits, with Clark Gable, Marilyn Monroe, Montgomery <laughs> Clift, and Eli Wallach, directed by John Huston from an Arthur Miller screenplay. Somehow Rennie Harlan is gonna try and oh boy okay Razzies <laughs> you know you might have an ally in this one <laughs> oh boy yeah uh, yeah the I will be talking about uh, a couple of those films we won't be able to well maybe that's a good segue because there are some films that received nominations as we said like with The Five Bloods last year that received maybe one costume or song nomination. And so we can't celebrate it on this podcast, although I'd like to, or we'd like to. And one of those for me is definitely House of Gucci, and particularly Jared Leto and Lady Gaga. If it had received no nominations, I think Lady Gaga would be my best actor, best actress. Oh, Um, really? Wow. Yeah. I just think that's a role that... (sighs) 
It's just nuts. She and Jared Leto are both nuts in this film in a way that is going to age so well. It's just good. <laughs> People are going to be going back and watching House of Gucci way more than they're going to be going back to see Way of the Dog. I think Way yep. of the Dog, the Way of the Dog, it's a it's a fantastic film, but not fun. House of Gucci <laughs> is just is just nuts, and Lady Gaga is just she is such a movie star, and it should be annoying. But uh, I think I, I don't know if I said this to you, but it's it's like. She has the acting chops we wanted Madonna to have. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and also maybe there's a standing on the shoulders of giants in a way like she's being very particular about yeah. what she picks. She's not no, she just going and, and diving into somebody <laughs> else's film. If there's a film, it's going to be built around her. Yeah. I'm go I'm a going to act. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited. I'm usually not excited about Ridley Scott, but I'm excited for that movie. That does look good. It's not even that good. The Last Duel is a better movie, but <laughs> also not one that I see myself revisiting. Mm. Whereas I could just, you know, you could put on House of Gucci behind a bar and people would be happy in that bar. <laughs> my old bartender think speaking so uh what about you what what was there were there any oscar or academy um, award nominated films you wish we could talk about today yeah there, there was only one there was one that was on my best of list that i couldn't do and that was the james bond movie no time to die which i loved thought it was amazing thought it was really good one of the best uh daniel craig movies but it's up for best visual effects uh best sound and best original song as Bond movies often are. I have a feeling it may win Best Original Song. But because of those three kind of awards, I yeah can't, can't talk about that one. But briefly, I'll just say, if you haven't seen it, it's a great fitting end to the Daniel Craig legacy. Real excited for the next Bond, but this is a great like kind of wrap it up end. And it's just really well made. Um, just just a fantastic movie across the board. So did you, did you ever get to watch it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it definitely uh, <laughs> it delivers some some bonding and uh, it, uh, I, I, how how do you talk about the Bond film when you were recommended to people? Uh, I just say, well, it's definitely the last Daniel Craig one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what that's what, and I kind of leave it at that, and I'm like, and it's really good. It's got it's got what you want from a Bond movie. It's like the action scenes are awesome. Like the beautiful people, like classy, you know, him in a suit, like cool cars. Like it's got the fun bond. It's got the serious bond. It's really long, but you don't care because it's also just incredibly well directed. Just like it's like a legit real movie, just like how Casino Royale was. Like it's it's who directed this one? Uh, the guy who directed uh, True Detective. Uh, his name is a uh, Carrie F uh, F Fukunaga, I think is how you say the last name. Yeah. Hmm. And he's a great okay. filmmaker. He's a real yeah. filmmaker. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go next. Like, because usually it always swings some other way. So are we going to get like a silly bond again or what? <laughs> What's it going to be like? I don't know. It always kind of moves with the times. So this, I guess it depends on who the bond is. They usually build it around whoever James Bond is. So if it's Jared Leto as an Italian man, that's going to be a different tone. <laughs> Than uh, you know Idris Elba or whatever, so like it's 
<laughs> we'll see. We'll see what it has in store. Yeah, so that's what I got for my Oscar. Oh, I'm just I'm I'm so excited for the continuation of the Knives Out oh. world. That that's that that's where Daniel Craig is heading. Yeah, is yeah. makes me. It, yeah, it's the perfect sort of along the same lines of what I was saying about Lady Gaga being the actor that we wanted Madonna to be, I feel like Daniel Craig may be the first Bond who has sort of come into it and made no missteps because he's seen everybody else's missteps (laughs) because of his natural talent and whatever. But he has managed to avoid, I think, all of the pitfalls and get all the good stuff and going from... Bond to this new sort of yeah. weird, like Southern Hercule Poirot <laughs> guy yeah. in a totally original series yeah. from one of the best writer directors going is just yeah, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, if 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 Connery could have done that, yeah. give me five of those. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's like it's like what we wanted from. Um, devil in a blue dress with the easy rollins and uh denzel washington which we should have had but yeah again there's that's that's where the, we're getting my mind always goes to where the world is wrong and what should be fixed <laughs> but we can just take a moment to uh to appreciate the 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 end of daniel craig's bond and the beginning of i don't know what you're going to call that that series it's not the is it going to be just knives out one, yeah. two, three, four, and five, or who knows? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> knives out, colon, knives in, or something. <laughs> Never too young uh, to knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, I, I guess maybe it's time to bring in our first Noscars nominator. Uh, do you want to tell us about? He's going to be presenting these awards. Yeah, so this is uh, AJ Gonzalez. He's been a guest many times on the show. He's my co-host on the Director's Wall. And him, more than anyone else on the planet Earth, really loves and is obsessed with the Oscars. Like, I don't know anyone else as into it as he is. And he seemed to be equally into the Oscars, which feels very nice. He's, he, like, all year long has been like, making his list and thinking about it and really uh, came up with quite a good... A list of things, uh, and uh, one of the movies is also on my list. I won't say which one yet, but uh, yeah, no, this is this is a good this is a good lineup he's got here. Okay, well, uh, let's uh, let's go to that now. Dear listener, if you are just discovering our podcast, you can find all of our episodes on our website at theworldiswrongpodcast.com. You can also write to us at contact at theworldiswrongpodcast.com. Or follow us on Instagram at the World Is Wrong Podcast. And now, back to the show. You're kind of an Oscars scholar. We had you on our special Oscars episode. What do you think about the actual Academy Award nominees and the the all the surrounding I don't know uh, controversy? Well, for the most part, it seems like a kind of like a decent, you know, group of films. It's kind of the ones you were expecting. Really excited to see Licorice Pizza in there as far as, you know, actual, the actual not not nominees, nominations. And then it seems like they took those movies and then just 
ran them down the ballot, then there's not really a lot of diversity in the below the line categories like production design, which is uh, disappointing, disappointing. And yeah, every every year the Academy broadcast thinks it needs to be only three hours long. I don't know why. This year they're going to cut some awards, give them out before. They're going to cut out the editing award and then tell, presumably tell their editors to edit it back in and make it look good. Uh, which, <laughs> which is all kinds of weird irony. And then, of course, there's this whole like Twitter fan award, which is going to be decided by like some bot factory that people will have rigged up, and that's going to be on the broadcast. Uh, it's uh, it, it's frustrating. I have uh, I have not sent out my angry tweets, but I I will at the academy hopefully i mean hopefully they they backpedal they they've done it before and just aired just air this ceremony this this mythical fan base that they think they're gonna get by making the awards shorter and adding in an internet poll it's just it's just not gonna happen the people that watch the oscars are the people that watch the oscars you're only going to lose more more viewers are not really going to gain a whole lot more. Uh, so that whole, yeah, whenever with the broadcast, it, it is, it is frustrating. And as far as, you know, the seemingly predetermined winners, I, if, if the favorites, the front runners win in most categories, uh, I'd be okay with it. Uh, I'd rather other things win. Uh, and, I'd rather other things have been nominated and that's why we have the Oscars. Yes. Far more excited to know your nominees than to uh, know who wins this year's Academy Awards. So why don't we just get into it now? What do you have for us? All right. So first up, I made up my own category, which is one that the Oscars needs. They really need to have a best stunts category for all the great stunts and action that is integral to the success of action movies. But is not recognized on the stage and it really needs to be and my pick for that is gunpowder milkshake which is a movie on netflix about uh some mother daughter female assassins and it's very much in the style of john wick but uh unlike the latter john wick movies this one is a lot of fun. It really reminded me of that first John Wick movie, which reminded me of action movies from the 90s. There's a big shootout in this library that's run by Carla Gugino and Michelle Yeoh and Angela Bassett that just has all this great work, all this great like shootout gun work. And I mean, best of all, it's, it's a lot of fun. You can just <laughs> like relax and watch a fun action movie, which I feel like doesn't ha get to happen a lot these days. Nice. Okay. Best stunts. Gunpowder milkshake. What's next? All right. So next, I went with the, the BAFTA categorization. Best film not in the English language. And I went with Benedetta, directed by Paul Verhoeven. That's a film about a young nun in like uh, the 1600s who has visions of of jesus and uh like she says that her visions will protect the town from the plague and she 
gets a uh, a novice to take care of and they end up having an affair but it's really about like it's not a nun exploitation movie this is really about like questions of like faith and religion and belief in an actual like refreshingly challenging kind of way that really only Paul Verhoeven could do this is like you know he made films like uh like the fourth man and spetters and this is very much in that vein of like i'm i think i know what i'm watching but i'm not sure and i'm just enthralled the whole time benedetta from paul verhoven the best yeah. best feel not in the english language you have to say it in the <laughs> bafta way and uh from from one religion to another religion uh, what's what do you have next up up next a best documentary is this a movie, a TV show? It's my pick, so I'm just going to call it Best Documentary, The Beatles Get Back, directed by Peter Jackson. This also And gets Michael my... Lindsay Hogue. Yes. Uh, of course, he did all the original footage for the actual documentary. Now we're going to take the Beatles, and I'll be quiet. Oh, you recording our conversation? For what? What is it? Looking for a home to last. Looking for a blast from the past. We're talking about 14 songs we hope to get. I've got a feeling. How many have we already recorded good enough? None. Oh, yeah. None of us has had the idea of what the show's going to be. I've got a feeling. I would dig to play on stage, you know. Nobody else wants to do a show. I think we've got a bit shy. What could it be, Paul? Something in the way she moves. What attracted me at all? Just say whatever comes in the head each time attracts me like a cauliflower until you get the word. There is a show to be had, you know, once we get over the nervousness. Take ten. Oh, yeah. I think we should forget the whole idea of this show. The meeting was fine, but then you know, it all sort of fell apart in the end. So what's our next move? Get me split George's instruments. But it's going to be such a comical thing, like in 50 years' time. They broke up because Yoko sat on an amp. Documentary is grinding to a halt. Grinding to a halt? I think it's taking off. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> The best bit of us always has been and always will be is when we're backs against the wall. All we've got is us. What do you think? When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Do you want to do it once more then? Yes, yes. I mean, we'll never get a chance to do it again. Cats and kittens, what are we gonna do? What would you like to see the Beatles do now? A show, a live show. Jojo was a man who thought he was a loner, but he knew it couldn't last. We should do the show in a place we're not allowed to do it, getting forcibly ejected. I think that's too dangerous. I mean, that is an interesting thought of you all being beaten up. <laughs> We'll have to do it sitting down. Woo!
never get too excited. And it also gets my award for best editing because I mean one it's just a massive undertaking. They took all this footage and cut it together into yes, like an eight hour movie, but you watch it and it's so compelling it's so enthralling and it's so great to just see the beatles in the studio and to see them like pick out songs and to see paul mccartney just playing gibberish on his guitar and then all of a sudden it turns into get back and to seeing them have a fight and george quit the band and they have a breakdown and paul mccartney freaks out and starts doing like parkour on scaffolding because he doesn't know what to do with his life it's great. I could go on forever talking about this, but like, it, it's like a fly on the wall documentary, but there is a subtle narrative worked in there through the editing. And it really feels like you're watching a story as much as it is, as it is just fly on the wall footage. There is like this great narrative there. And then it has pays off with the concert on the roof, which is amazing. And you get to see more footage of that than I've ever seen before. So you would say that Get Back doesn't let us down. <laughs> Although it was Certainly a long not. and winding road, they chose not to just let it be. It, it led to our, a long and winding road that led to our door. Exactly. Fantastic. One of the best films of the year. Can't argue with that. And what do you have next for us? All right. Up next, I've got Best Adapted Screenplay. Goes to M. Night Shyamalan for Old. No kids. Allowed on the beach? What? I'm not oh, no. Oh, no. We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. Are we there yet? You said five minutes. Technically, it's been more than five minutes. Let's just all start slowing down. Wow. Do you believe I found this online? I guess it's not that secret a beast. Whoa! Who would leave this? From the hotel! They're so rusted! What's happening? Found stuff from the hotel in the sand. I don't know. What happened to her? Body has decomposed. How quickly can that happen? Seven years. But she just died. Wait, where are the kids? Trent! Kara! Come here! Hey, have you seen my children? Mom? I'm I'm right here. Why are you looking at me like that? What's happening to us? My daughter just turned six two weeks ago. Mom! Whatever's happening to us is happening very fast. You have wrinkles. There's something wrong with this beach. What's happening? Mom! Mom! 
based on a French graphic novel called Sandcastle. And I did a podcast of, on my, my podcast, Director's Wall. Brian and I covered old, and we looked up the differences between the graphic novel and what made it into the movie. And what Shyamalan, of course, changed a couple things. And the things he changed like were really fit his style. Like He's been toying with the idea of like a grand conspiracy... <laughs> For the past couple of movies and it hasn't worked but then it works in old and there are things that he like he put enough of himself in this in this uh adaptation to really make it feel like a Shyamalan movie uh so he gets my adapted screenplay award all right not just uh pumping up your own podcast um, it, there seems like there might be a little bit of a grand conspiracy behind this choice but we'll let it we'll let it pass <laughs> Uh, no, I I don't disagree with the, the 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 nomination. So what we're getting into the actor nominees now. What do you have for us? All right. So supporting actress. When I saw this movie, saw this performance, I was like this deserves best supporting actress. And then the movie uh, didn't do well financially, so it fell out of awards conversation. I became very angry because Olga Miradis, uh, who plays. Uh, Abuela Claudia in In the Heights absolutely gave the best supporting performance, best supporting female performance of any film last year. Abuela Claudia never had kids, so she adopted the whole block as her own. Adopted our sueñitos, too. ¿Qué te pasa, amiga? When I got to Stanford, the isolation, Abuela... The loneliness. I was like, what am I doing here? Ay, mija, yo sé. Mira, when my mama came from Cuba, ay, Dios mío. She felt like one tiny grain of sand from the beaches we left behind. What did she do? She bought a winter coat and a pair of velvet gloves. Her hands were cracked from the cleaning fluids, but the gloves hid that. We had to assert our dignity in small ways. That's why these napkins are beautiful. That's why my mother's gloves were beautiful. Little details that tell the world we are not invisible. Vete, habla con tu papá. She's like the neighborhood grandmother. She's not actually the main character's grandmother, but she's just this wonderful presence that kind of keeps the, uh, the this neighborhood alive. And she has wonderful songs, wonderful moments. It's, uh, I mean, it's like, there's so much heart in that movie from so many places, but a lot of it comes from her. And she deserves so much recognition uh, Olga Meredith for In the Heights. Olga Meredith, tonight is your night. 
What's next? Up next for Best Supporting Actor, I have uh, Jeffrey Wright as Roebuck, uh, Roebuck Wright in The French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. <clears throat> Someone told me you have a photographic memory. Is that true? That is false. I have a typographic memory. I recollect the written word with considerable accuracy and detail. In other spheres, my powers of retention are distinctly impressionistic. <laughs> I'm known to my intimates as a most forgetful man. Yet you remember every word you ever wrote. Mm. The novels, the essays, the poems, the play. The unrequited Valentine, sadly I do. May I test you? If you must, unless we try the patience of your viewership, or the esteemed spokesman for Gemini tooth powder. My favorite piece is the one about the cook where the kidnappers get poisoned. Do students of the table dream in flavors? That was the first of the questions a reporter for this magazine had diligently prepared in advance of his encounter with Lieutenant Nescafier, ranking chef at district headquarters on the narrow river peninsula known as the Rongier d'Angle. All such queries were to remain unanswered in the course of that eventful evening. Shall I carry on? Please. Which, I have to admit, is the first Wes Anderson movie where I've had to wonder whether I liked it or not. I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, but the criticisms that other people have lobbed at other of his movies, I really felt those for the French Dispatch, but the one really bright spot where I'm like, well, this is great, great, is Jeffrey Wright's performance, who brings that kind of melancholy whimsy that you want and expect in a Wes Anderson movie. He narrates his segment and his narration is, absolutely wonderful and like i said that wes anderson melancholy whimsy he he encapsulates perfectly surprising that this film got no nominations from the academy I but know, I it know. leaves it for us so jeffrey wright best support has he has he won an, an oscar yet i i don't believe so okay well once ahead once again we're ahead of the, we're ahead of the curve on this one yeah everyone jeffrey wright's a good actor Headline yeah, yeah. here from the world is wrong. That kids going places. Uh, okay, but they're just the supporting actors. Let's get to the <laughs> real actors and actresses. What do we have for you? So for best actress, I have Rebecca Hall for The Night House. This is a a horror movie, and it, it really nails that line between horror and this is a drama about sad people, which a lot of recent horror movies have been. This is a drama about sad people with a few scary scenes here and there. But this really nails it. She plays a, a grieving widow. Her husband killed himself mysteriously, and then strange things start happening in her house. And then she finds that there's a like replica of her house across the lake where she lives. And the scary things that start happening are actually really creepy. There's like some really genuinely creepy scenes in this, and it definitely goes horror it's like this isn't creepy drama this is going to be horror it's not so scary that uh someone that's not really into horror movies couldn't watch it so i'd re definitely recommend it for people that are kind of shy about horror movies and rebecca hall just gives this great performance of playing a woman you know grieving and then also dealing with very strange things learning things she didn't know about 
about her husband that then end up turning out to be really spooky, <laughs> spooky and scary. And uh, it's it's great. She 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 gets across a lot of emotion without having a big, loud, screamy meltdown like a lot of actors uh, have in horror movies now to convey their trauma. <laughs> I'm getting a bit sick of this trend in horror movies. If you haven't, if you haven't gleaned that, uh, she does that, but she does it. She does it quietly, and and it's uh, it's great. It's a great low key performance, Rebecca Hall for the Night House. Okay, and like Loki, the trickster god, I think you may have played a trick on us or on yourself because. I'm looking at it, and the Nighthouse is listed as a 2020 film. Ooh. I was thinking, I, oh, well, she's had, Rebecca Hall's had quite a year with the Nighthouse and her own directorial debut, uh, debut in passing. But I think you may have snuck one of last year's performances into this year's Noscars ceremony. And, you know, we're an outlaw. We, we, we're all for the outlaws. So if you feel like there that it was such a good performance that it outweighed all of the performances of 2021. So, so be it. So be it. That is your choice. But I hate to, I hate to do this in the middle of this massive broadcast being broadcast out to millions. <laughs> Embarrassing no, no, like live. this. But uh, yeah, Rebecca Hall, uh, The Night House, sounds like a great film. Sounds like my kind of horror film, like The Haunting. That's sort of my ground zero for like, that's the tenor of horror that I like. The Others, another, like, like lonely lady in a house, you know, reeling from, a, from the trauma of being beset by ghosts. But she is your Oscar nominee for Best Actor, Best Actress for uh, 2020 and 2021. So what do we have for Best Actor? For Best Actor, I have Anthony Ramos for In the Heights. He plays the lead character, Usnavi. I am Usnavi, and you probably never heard my name. Reports of my fame are greatly exaggerated. Exacerbated by the fact that my syntax is highly complicated. Because I immigrated from the single greatest little place in the Caribbean, Dominican Republic. I love it. Jesus, I'm jealous of it. And beyond that, ever since my folks passed on, I haven't gone back. God oh, damn, I gotta get on that. Oh. The milk is gone bad. Hold up just a second. Why is everything in this fridge warm and tepid? I better step it up and fight the heat. Cause I'm not making any profit if the coffee isn't light and sweet. Woo! Abuela, my fridge broke. I got cafe, but no con leche. Ay, Dios. Try my mother's old recipe. One can of condensed milk. Nice. Oh, hey. Your lottery ticket. Paciencia y fe. That was Abuela, she's not really my Abuela, but she practically raised me. This corner is her escuela now. You probably think I'm up shit's creek. I've never been north of 96th Street. Well, you must take the A train. Even farther than Harlem to northern Manhattan and maintain. Get off at 181st and take the escalator. I hope you're writing this down. I'm gonna test you later. I'm getting tested. Times are tough on this bodega. Two months ago, somebody bought Ortegas. Our neighbors started packing up and picking up. And never since the rest went up, it's gotten mad expensive. But we live with just enough. It was Navi, who's has a dream of returning to the Dominican Republic and opening up a, uh, uh, like a, a restaurant cabana there. But over the course of the movie, you get to see like this neighborhood 
and the changes happening and there's a bit of like a, a george bailey it's a wonderful life like this neighborhood needs you george bailey and it's i mean he's just so great great to watch and he is so full of life and i mean the songs he's he's very good and very engaging and uh it, it's it's um this part on stage was played by lin-manuel miranda it's the first movie, first musical he won, uh, you know, all the Tony awards for. And Ramos, I mean, he puts his own spin on it. You can see how, like, yeah, okay, Lin Manuel Miranda definitely would have played this role before. But uh, I mean, he, it, 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 I, I can't really pin this down because he's playing like this average guy, but just so like likable but relatable even though I don't have anything really resembling his experience. And I mean, I just want everything to work out for him. It's, uh, it's great. And I'm, I mean, I'm glad that he got to be the lead of this movie. There's a lot of things working for this movie. So he doesn't really like carry it all on his own, but the movie just definitely doesn't work without him. So those are your actor awards. And it sounds like you like this movie in the Heights. Are we going to see it represented in the major awards, best director and best picture? The audience awaits. (laughs) I think uh, that I think audiences in, uh, is in for a twist, a Shyamalan twist, because my choice for best director is M. Night Shyamalan for old. Wow. Which, once I was going through my list of uh, movies I'd seen that hadn't been nominated for Oscars, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, of course. That makes sense. This, <laughs> The approach he takes to this movie is so delicate. It's so um, deliberate there he finds like great like quiet moments to really humanize the characters and create intimacy and but then the uh, the suspense scenes are are thrilling it's like oh yeah he used to do like like hitchcockian suspense like in the sixth sign the in the sixth sense and unbreakable in signs and and he's like back on on top of his game and he he even works himself into the movie. He has a cameo, of course, that is maybe the least grading cameo he's had in I don't know how many movies. Uh, there's just so much going going right for this movie. He made he made all the right choices. So he's my pick for best director. As the host of an M Night Shyamalan podcast, <laughs> there might be some question as to you know your neutrality on this subject but we don't need neutrality you're a you're a Shyamalan fan so you know let your freak flag fly and <laughs> does that mean that Ole is going to be winning the best picture in your well, nominees <laughs> well twist again my choice for best picture is in the heights wow when I saw this I saw this movie in theaters it's one of the only movies I saw in theaters last year and it was it just felt like like magic it felt like the first time i saw singing in the rain it's like wow this is what movies are this is what movies can do and when the characters break into song it just feels so natural because there's so much vibrancy and life to the movie Stop it. Take five. phone call 
Lotto office. What are these lotto numbers? Oh, we sold a winner yesterday. Oh, oh shit, I played, bro. Yo, let's talk profit sharing. I want a cut of your cut. Yeah, my cut is zero. Man. What's the payout? Man. And don't tell me no $500. That's been a lot of money on these tickets. 96,000. Damn. Damn. $96,000. Holla! $96,000. That's a lot of spray cans. $96,000. Yo, if I won the lotto tomorrow, well, I know I wouldn't bother going on no spending spree. I pick a business school and pay the entrance fee. And maybe if you're lucky, you'll stay friends with me. I'll be a businessman richer than Nina's daddy. Tiger Woods and I on the links, and he's my caddy. My money's making money. I'm going from cold to modo. Keep the bling. I want the brass ring like Proto. Here goes Mr. Braggadocio. Next thing you know, you lying like Pinocchio. Oh, yo, if you scared of the bull, stay out the rodeo. Oh, I got more flows than Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, you better stop rapping. You not ready. It's going to get hot and heavy, and you already. Yo, 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 I'm sorry, was that an answer? Shut up, go home and pull your damn pants up. Oh. As for you, Mr. Frodo of the Shire, what? 96 G's ain't enough to retire. Come on, I have enough to knock your ass off its axis. You'll have a knapsack full of jack after taxes. 96,000. Hi, Alavanza. 96,000. And the big musical number, I mean, one of like the, one of the big ones is 96,000. There's the lottery. Who's going to win the lottery ticket? It's, it's gone up to $96,000. And the whole town, the whole neighborhood gets to sing like what they would do if they won the money. Uh, it's directed by John M. Chu, who loves to choreograph things in water. So there's a big number in a pool, very like uh, Esther Williams style. And it's it's just a wonderful, it's a very light plot, light movie. This is just a hangout movie, a vibe movie. You're just spending time with the characters in this neighborhood, getting to know them, and you just like all of them. You want everything to work out for them. And I'm watching the movie just following them in whatever they do. And there's no like big plot machination that like, ah, oh, they've got to solve this. It just, the, I'm just, these characters are so well established. I just want to see what happens to them. And uh, as I like mentioned before, like Anthony Ramos as Navi has his dream and I want him to get his dream, but I want him to stay also in the neighborhood. And it's, it's, it's this very emotional conflict that, it, that yeah, made me think of of uh, Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. And I mean, yeah, this is movie so good. I just, I loved it. It I, I felt it went underseen and I think everyone, everyone needs to watch this movie and just have, have a wonderful time for a couple hours. Well, this has been a wonderful time and it hasn't been a couple of hours, but if you want to spend many hours uh, I'm speaking to the listeners now. If you want to spend many hours with A.J. Gonzalez and his film insights and his dul the dulcet tones of his voice, you can find him on the world... No, not on the world is wrong. On the Director's Wall podcast with, uh, with my co-host, Brian Connolly. You've been, you've been his co-host longer than I have, and you, uh, you, grac you graciously welcomed a third into your, your cinematic lovemaking. And 
It's been it's been a joy to have you on the show many times over the as over the years that we've been now doing the World Is Wrong podcast, and I have spent many hours enjoying uh, the Director's Wall podcast. And I encourage anyone who likes this podcast to listen to potentially a better one in the Director's Wall, where you are currently <laughs> exploring the films of Francis Ford Coppola, but you've already gone through all of the films of M Night Shyamalan this year's. Best Oscar director, best Noscar director nominee from AJ Gonzalez. You have any final words for our audience? Uh, just that I am. Uh, I'm glad that the uh, the world is wrong. Does this uh, has this tradition of of the Noscars, and I'm so glad to be a part of it and just share share these movies that. Uh, you know, maybe you heard of, maybe you hadn't, uh, maybe you've been putting them off and uh, here just, uh, you know, a f- further recommendation. You should really, you should really check out these movies because I, I love them and I, I just want to, just want to share, share them, share, share that joy that these movies bring to uh, everyone out there. Wonderful. Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm AJ. And we have a podcast called The Director's Wall. Examining a filmmaker's career, film by film. First up was M. Night Shyamalan, then Francis Ford Coppola. Who's next? Is there anything to this whole auteur theory? Find out on The Director's Wall. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or your preferred listening platform. What do you think of AJ's nominees? I totally expected. <laughs> I know him so well, I think. I'm like, of course, you're going to pick The Outsider musical and your M. Night Shyamalan movie <laughs> and the Beatles movie. <laughs> it's like, if there was if, if there was a Ron Howard movie this year, he would have picked that too, but he didn't get, there wasn't one. So uh, it's, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, no, I, I never saw In the Heights. What's interesting is I just remember everyone hating it. So I feel like that is some true world is wrong uh, pick right there. Like, did you ever watch it? No, but after that, I I I got it, I got it cued to watch. I think with with that movie, it wasn't that people hated it, but people were un- underwhelmed by it. And I think it had the misfortune of coming out around the same time as the Spielberg West Side Story, which everybody's in love with for some reason. And so, like, it uh, I feel like if it was if it was the only sort of like multicultural musical this year then maybe it would have gotten a little more you know buzz or praise but it kind of came and went quickly it didn't really make much of like people thought it was gonna be this big thing and then it wasn't but i'm glad aj picked it yeah uh did you see gunpowder milkshake no but i remember seeing the trailers for it and being like okay i'll watch that (laughs) so that seems like a great like sunday afternoon like I'm just gonna relax and watch something really fun. It does look like like just a good time. You guys are so funny. You're like, what? I mean, I guess we're all funny and perverse. Well, j- just <laughs> there's something about these sort of hyper stylized violent movies. Like he, like the John Wick movies, just didn't like the first one I watched. I got bored. Like I with them, I just get bored. I get bored oh, really? and traumatized. Like they're like they're. <laughs> But it's so funny because both of you, if I ask you to watch a movie that is 
about something in the real world where one bad thing happens, you'll both be like, oh, oh, I can't watch that. <laughs> but you're like, isn't it fun to watch just like a hundred people get killed? Yeah. Yeah, it's so much fun. Like, I'd be so good in war dropping bombs on people, but I could not handle shooting oh, people on the ground. You know, I couldn't do that. But if it's like, who's down there? 20,000 people? Okay, well, I don't know. What does it mean to me? But... Oh, jeez. That's, that's, that's a frightening glimpse into your soul, Brian. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think it's because, well, movies like Gunpowder Milkshake, to me, like, they look sort of like in that world of, like, the Kill Bill world, like that sort of like video game where the violence is so over the top. And this is how it is in most action movies, which is so ridiculous that it doesn't, it's not upsetting because it just, it's clearly, it's like watching like a dance sequence in a movie. It's just, it's just it's pure fantasy and fiction. Whereas if it had like one person getting killed and it was sad and you knew who they were and it was emotional, then it's, uh, it's more of an upsetting thing. But I don't know. I feel like the same thing with horror movies. Like, the horror movies that really get to me are, like, the quiet ones about, like, a family and there's not a lot of people. But when it's, like, ghosts and monsters and buckets of blood all over the place, then I just think it's funny and it doesn't really bother me at all. I think because it's so extreme that it's just ridiculous. That it doesn't hit emotions other than, like, this is silly. (laughs) Like, Rambo's Rambo's silly, deer hunter upsetting. You know, it's just, like... (laughs) It's just how it is. <laughs> Wrong. I'm the opposite. Uh, Rambo is upsetting. Deer uh, Hunter is is an inspiration. Uh, well, because I just think it takes there, there's something that's inspired about giving things their emotional weight, including people's. Yeah, the well, it's just a different way of looking at things. And there are some like we mentioned, Kill Bill that that got in under the wire. There are some films that are like that that get in under the wire. I don't know, but it, it's I'm, he gave it an award for for stunts, and I'm sure the stunts were amazing. If I could have like really paid attention to them, but mostly I was just you know my brain was turning off while I was watching it. Um, well, uh, it, we can always count on AJ to. He's I love what he does because he his tastes are so populist in their way. Like he's a very he's he's really like you said, Ron Howard, he's into popular. He's really into popular movies. And at the same time, he is such a champion of maligned popular movies, which is a weird category in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that he's like, I just like that he can be so iconoclastic while also being so middle of the road. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, 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 it's awesome. It makes him a great, it makes him a great person to talk to about yeah. films. No, I agree. Because it yeah. makes you look at these films that you think of as middle of the road, like a film like in the Heights and be like, wait, it's supposed like I don't like it because or I've some something has kept me from watching it because I think it's too something, but <laughs> it's probably but here's someone saying, no, 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 this is another misunderstood film. Yeah. That is worthy of your attention. So yeah. let's all put it on our list. And old, of course, I think we all it, you know, that that may show up on in some in some form or another in, in some in our lists. Anything else from his list that you feel like is worth mentioning, or shall we move on? I'm going to wait because the rest are on my list, which we're about to do. So I I don't want to jump the gun, you know. Okay, well (laughs) let's uh, let's not jump the gun. Let's uh, here here's 
<laughs> the starter pistol has been fired, and All right. you are off. All right, so I have 14 movies, and I'm going to count them down to the top five, and then in the top five, I'm going to give you my favorite kind of... I'm just, I'm just going to do picture, director, screenplay, actor, actress, and that's it. I don't need to go into sub categories i think that's fine i like how you've got that organized (laughs) brian i like it uh and so i'm going to start off with a few movies that i'm a little biased towards because they're by filmmakers that i know but i was really lucky this year this last year in 2021 to know so many great filmmakers that put great movies out which i think more than ever before i had so many friends where i kept going uh, to f- festivals or premieres or seeing it online or whatever. And it was just a really exciting time, kind of like all of these people together finally getting some, a lot of these people, it's their first feature or maybe even all of them. Yeah, it's their first feature. Uh, so I want to start with a movie called Lucky Duck by Eric Rousseau. And it's a comedy. It's a silly comedy. It's a no budget comedy. It's about sort of like a weird kind of, Simple man is how you describe it, or like a Homer Simpson type who gets into the cat food industry. It is hilarious. There's some great, there's some great, very funny scenes. Uh, our special guest, uh, Jasmine Moreno, is is in it. Um, it's just a very just funny, weird movie. It played at a few fests. Uh, it's not available yet to see. So if it's at a festival New Year, go see it shot in austin just like a good silly like it's a kind of independent movie you want people to make but they don't it's just like this is just a fun 90 minute silly movie that with no weight to it but it's just like there's just it's just ridiculous in the right way so lucky doug check it out i have a cameo in it oh, i don't say lucky anything. doug lucky doug you said lucky doug yeah you said th- i thought you said lucky duck okay Let's make no. sure you get that. Don't don't look for Lucky <laughs> Duck. It's Lucky, Lucky Doug. Doug, yeah, Lucky Doug. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's good. And there's a great scene by the great John Golson in there as the head CEO of a company, and he steals the show, and it features him and a cat. Wait a second. And it and it's amazing. Wait a second. <laughs> Hold on a second. You and AJ with your. Trying to use these Oscars, these Oscars as a uh, as a tool of self promotion. <laughs> you're basically, you're basically. I love this movie that has the star of my movie, a ca- someone who had a cameo in my movie, a movie that I'm in. Like I said, I'm biased towards these first few. Like these are people that I Lucky know. Lucky Brian. <laughs> Lucky Doug's good. Check out Lucky okay. Doug. See it. You like it's it so much, more- you put everyone in it in your movie. <laughs> uh. The next movie is called Ultimate World, directed by Nathaniel Hendricks and Spencer Lucas. You know what you should do? There's this arcade 
you should go to their men's restroom. Don't worry, it has a lock. There's a phone number written on the wall. Call. This is another movie made in Austin. Uh, Low-budget comedy, but amazing, brilliant, kind of these surreal moments, uh, these hilarious scenes that are, it's got one of the best montages of any movie I've seen in a really long time. Uh, Again, scene stealer John Golson shows up, has a great moment (laughs) where he goes through his entire life and explains to you his entire life, and it's a great bit of acting. Again, this movie's going through festivals. I don't think it's uh, uh, online yet. But check out Ultimate World. Great soundtrack. Uh, just really funny jokes. Uh, highly recommend Ultimate World. All right. Still still okay. with me? <laughs> okay. Number 13, uh, Ultimate World. All right. Then we have Night on Six, directed by my good friend and uh, co-collaborator Moet Jaswell. And this is a drama comedy. Uh, it follows uh, a woman around downtown as she's sort of like waiting to, you know, she's about to get married. And it's just kind of her just sort of realizing like kind of her life or what her life should be. But it has that kind of nice kind of lost in translation sort of like you're just kind of floating through a city at night with a bunch of different people coming in and out. Really, really good. The main actress, Yola Lou. Is great. She's a local comedian here in Austin. Fantastic movie. Again, it's still on the festival circuit. Uh, it's not available readily yet. But if you see it anywhere, check it out. It's really, really good. And it has what I like in it. Long shot of somebody driving. <laughs> like a good five-minute shot of somebody driving at night. And that's what I like to see in a movie. Um, <laughs> If only he would eat a sandwich afterwards. No, that didn't happen. Then you'd be There's in heaven. none of that, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, Why Am I Doing This? A film about touring by uh, my good friend Eric Fundingslam. What's a crazy tour story? I mean, I hear about other people's tour stories and I think they're crazy. When I think about stuff that happens to me, I'm just like, I don't know, nothing ever happens to me. If anybody in the, who's not a musician has a conception of touring, it's probably based on sort of mythology from popular culture. If you hear a crazy story about bands on tour, you see like movies about documentaries and stuff, or they're down in fits of vodka. Big bands tour and they come to town in a bus and they party you out and they shag a few groupies and they move on down the road into the sunset after that. Old people think it is what it is, which is you're driving around in shitty circumstances making no money and it's uncomfortable. But, you know, if you want to do it, you're young, do what you want. Young people think it's like a nonstop party, which it isn't. I would say 75% of tour is boring as fuck. You have 10% of your actually on stage, like, playing music or like doing stupid stuff with your bandmates and then most of the time you're just sitting there. I would say that the fantasy of touring is probably almost famous and the reality of touring is uh, uh, the road or Mad Max where you're constantly feel like you're about to run out of fuel. You may as well just like hook a vacuum cleaner up to whatever paltry sum of money you've ever accumulated in your life and just You know, nobody really writes books or makes films until now about the drudgery of, of 
you know, just sitting in a van, uh, hating the guy next to you, um, you know, uh, losing all your money and your girlfriend breaking up with you. Yeah, I call them prove it tours, you know, where your van keeps breaking down or you get broken into or just the things, bad things keep happening over and over again and you have to band together um, and just help each other not get pissed off and quit and go home. <laughs> I mean, I grew up wanting to do that. That was just kind of part of the dream. That was the dream job for me is that I wanted to be like schlepping my crap around and like working my ass off day and night and playing music for people. It's like when you hear um, women talk about giving birth and you know, they'll have a baby and they'll tell you the story about how brutal and gnarly it, we always hear it's always like some hero, hero, heroic story of what they went through to get this human being into the world. It always blows my mind as a woman who is not, has no children. Um, and, and then they all talk about wanting to have more. And I'm like, wait a minute, you went through all of that and you want to do it again? Why do we put ourselves through this? It's because when, when it transcends and when it hits, there's nothing quite like it. What are you gonna do? More stories! This is a fantastic movie. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's fucking great. It's a documentary about uh, just interviewing different bands and musicians about what it's like to tour like you in a punk band, which is not glamorous. You're in a van. It smells like you're going to shows where there's nobody there. The, the kind of like the... the the, 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 the grueling process of touring when you're just a tiny little band. And it has a lot of great uh, musicians and artists in there. Steve Albini is in it talking about it. Uh, just a lot of like, great people from Olympia that you'll recognize uh, if you're into Olympia music scene. It's just a really solid doc. It's a little long, but you don't care because it's just really interesting to hear these people tell these. It's just, it's just one great story after another. It's really fun. It's totally great. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. And yet that is, you can find that on the YouTube. Um, <laughs> Why am then, I doing this? Number 11. Yeah. Then um, the final of sort of the movies by people I know, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, a history of folk horror directed by Kayla Janice, uh, an author, film programmer, great lady. Folk horror is based upon the juxtaposition of the prosaic and the uncanny. It's strange things found in fields. Lights flickering in dark woods. The darkness in children's play. Being lost in ancient landscapes. The devil having a cup of tea with you the power of ritual and the power of collective storytelling. Ancient wisdoms, if you like, that have been long repressed and forgotten, rise up again, very often to the consternation of complacent modern man. It's a way of accessing all those layers of meaning, the build-up in a landscape, build up in a culture and they often build up unofficially. It's a sort of illegitimate culture that has sustained just through sheer force of will of the people, you know, the folk. 
folk horror ultimately asks, what if the old ways were right? She made this movie is like a total labor of love. It's like four hours long, but it's awesome. I watched it at a film festival last year, and it just goes through the entire history of folk horror. Uh, movies kind of like The Wicker Man, Witchfinder General, like that kind of horror movie. A lot of like pagan imagery in the woods, like Midsommar would be something like that. Uh, and it's just really great. The interviews are awesome. That like It's the one of those movies about movies where this is a documentary and you're just watching it and you're just like, oh, I want to see that. I want to see that. And by the end of the movie, you have a list of like 50 things that you want to see just because the movie just sells it and makes it so exciting. And that is, uh, I think, done playing festivals. You can get you can get it on Blu-ray through Severin Films. There's also a box set they put out that's like a collection of 20 of the movies mentioned in the uh, doc. But it's also still playing at theaters. Uh, like it's playing at the AFS Theater here, I think, at the end of March or the uh, in April. So like it's... Uh, Totally worth checking out. Don't be scared by the running time. Maybe it's better to watch it at home and you can watch it like a TV show where you watch an hour a day. But so worth it. So very, very good. Especially if you're into horror and are hungry to find kind of horror films you didn't know about. And could you say the title again? It's Woodland Dark and Days Bewitched. A a History of Folk folk Horror. A History of Folk Horror. Yeah. Cool. Just want to make sure people have the... And we'll, we'll be posting this enti- the entire yeah, yeah. list of our Noscars nominees in the show notes and on our website. So if you're stressing out and being like, uh, how do I write down all these movies? Don't worry. Yeah. We'll have that there for you because we want you to be right. able to check all these films out. Okay, we, have, we are now into the, uh, into the top 10. We're at number nine. Number nine. And these are all movies by people I don't know. So number nine... M. Night Shyamalan's Old. AJ talked about it extensively. I I guess I'm biased still in the way that I hosted the director's well episodes about M. Night Shyamalan. But if you listen to those, you probably heard that I didn't like most of them. <laughs> so maybe I'm not... Uh... Yeah, some of the best ones you don't like. It's crazy. It's, it's... But Old, I th- think, is his best movie since Signs. I really loved it. I thought the story was so exciting. I thought the acting was incredible. Like the twists really did work for me because it wasn't like the same kind of twist. It was, it felt more organic in this movie. It felt more like it's just explaining to you slowly how things are working in this movie. And it really does feel like just a really, really good Twilight Zone episode. Uh, But it's, it's, I think it's just fantastic. Um, And it kind of, it's weird. It kind of came out and no one really saw it. And that's too bad. I think this is one of the best horror movies of last year. Uh, and just, yeah, it's just a fa- it's just a good time. You you saw it, right? Oh, yeah. I think it's his best film yeah. since Lady in the Water. <laughs> Which is uh, yeah. <laughs> probably his best film. Uh, I, not, it's not his best film, obviously. And the first two, like Sixth Sense and Unbreakable are awesome. But... Lady in the Water is my favorite Shyamalan movie. I wish he would meet, yeah. just made movies like. You'd, I wish he had just, that had been successful, and he had just sort of gone into this weird little whimsical world uh, that that and and be working with Paul Giamatti all the time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, maybe they can settle in and do that event. Maybe that still can happen. You know, they're both young uh, people. He, 
It's okay. No, it's old is great. It, and you're you're absolutely right. I shouldn't use it as my way to get back into a fight about that and the happening as two of the great, <laughs> the most world is wrong films. Of, you know, like, oh, uh, I'm open I to do an episode on them. If you want to convince me they're oh. great, I, I'll, I'll listen oh. to you. I'll listen to your oh. argument. Let me sing I don't... the songs of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll be singing alone in a vacuum. <laughs> It's, All right. It's nothing new for me. Nothing new for me. Okay. We're moving eight. on from old. Number eight, uh, The Suicide Squad by James Gunn. Oh. I don't like superhero movies. I did not like the first Suicide Squad movie called Suicide Squad. In fact, I hated it. But there's something like, I really like James Gunn a lot. And he, I think, has raised comic book movies up to a place where I actually like them because he realizes they should be fun, you know, he, like which everyone else forgot. <laughs> so like, I love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I like his voice in general. I think like all the movies he's made, like Slither and like the scripts for the like Tromeo and Juliet and stuff are really funny and gross and violent, but just like super clever and just such good writing. And this movie's great. Uh, it's really, really fun. Uh, and it kind of flopped at the box office, which is too bad. Even though it has sort of a spin-off HBO show, Peacemaker, which people like. But the movie, it's just Margot Ro- Robbie's really good. Idris Elba's really good. Like Viola Davis, Nathan Fillion, uh, even Jay Courtney, who I don't usually like, is good in this. Pete Davidson. Like, it's just it's just a really fun, ridiculous, over-the-top comic book movie. Saw it the week it came out. Totally shocked that nobody cared, and then the world moved on. Because I was like, this is what these movies should be and it's half the length of an avenger sign me up <laughs> like this is good that's a good time at the movies the suicide squad up have for you no watched Oscars. peacemaker no i really want to but i'm waiting I'm, for me with shows i like to wait till the show's done like a season is done and then it's done then i'll then i'll get oh, is it then i'll watch it i should watch have you watched it yeah 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 again i'm, I'm in the so this is I, I have the same note about like the vi like is all this violence really fun? But with the Suicide Squad and with Peacemaker, exactly what you're talking about, there's a cleverness and an intelligence and a joy mm-hmm. in just the process of making movies that wins me over and carries me through. <laughs> but I definitely yeah. walked away, I walk away from the Suicide Squad and the Peacemaker sort of feeling like, I don't necessarily want to live in a world where people think this is funny. This stuff isn't, fun, you know, it's, it's not. You don't think people's you know, heads popping off is funny? <laughs> just, just the wanton <laughs> killing of like, like, the, like there's, I feel like there's a scene that happens in both The Peacemaker and in Suicide Squad where there's just like a bunch of innocent people get killed because one of the, so that one of the heroes can have a like, oops moment is <laughs> like, and then we're supposed to laugh at that. Yeah, that sort of collateral damage (laughs) to stupid Americans like Homer Simpson with a, you know, with a an automatic weapon that uh, it's it's troubling for me. But I but I. I hear you like again with when it's great, when the filmmaking is great enough, I'll go along for the ride, even if I'm not 100 percent consenting. My, you know, my <laughs> my mind says no, but my body says yes. James Gunn. 
I want a talking shark. Give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah. number seven, Boss Level by Joe Carnahan. This is Ooh. a movie that, that so that's technically listed as 2020, but because of the pandemic or whatever, it didn't really come out until 2021. So that's why I'm counting it. Uh, it was made available on Hulu in March of 2021. Uh, great movie. It takes that Groundhog Day premise, but puts it in a crazy, insane action movie, sci-fi movie. Uh, and it stars the great Frank Grillo, who is like my favorite current action star. He is handsome. He's awesome. He's just so charismatic. The villain is the uh, accurately cast Mel Gibson. And it's just Frank Grillo versus Mel Gibson in this insane sort of play on sort of like video game logic. Naomi Watts is in it. It's just batshit crazy and totally awesome and fun. And I just everyone forgot about it by the end of the year and it's on nobody's list, even though it was uh, the most entertaining action kind of genre movie of the year, I thought. Like, I think it was just like Will Sasso's in it. We love Will Sasso. Michelle Yeoh is in it. Like, it's awesome. And it's just so, from minute one, you're like, I'm into this. This is so good. Again, insanely violent, <laughs> but it's in this like heightened sort of like, yeah, video game world. And it totally won me over. And I don't even usually like Joe Carnahan. I think his movies like are kind of dumb, but like this one just, it worked. It's great. It's on Hulu. Check it out. It's awesome. Okay. It's in the, it's in the queue. It's in the queue. (laughs) Got to check it out. Check it out. It's fun. Uh, Number six, uh, the best horror film of the year, Malignant by James Wan. Uh, I love James Wan a lot. I like everything he does. Like since Saw to now, I've just been a fan. Uh, This is his play kind of on a giallo. So it's very much him trying to do in a way sort of like an Italian horror film of the 70s. But not but not in the self-referential way that other people have recently tried to do giallos. This is all James Wan. Very unique. The big twist in it is totally insane. <laughs> and maybe you see it coming, but it doesn't matter because the idea of it is so ridiculous. Like the premise of this movie is so silly and it's so ridiculous but everyone involved in the movie is just on board with this ridiculous thing and sells it so hard that you just go with it. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and uh, you would not be able to handle this movie. <laughs> so you don't need to ever watch it. Okay. But uh, those who those who can handle horror films, this movie has great scares in it, great jumps, crazy gore, just an insane villain. That just, it doesn't really make sense, but it doesn't fucking matter. And some of the scariest scenes I've seen in a movie and like, I can't even remember probably since the last good James Wan movie, like the conjuring or insidious again, like it came out, people really liked it, but then because maybe because it's a horror film, not up for any Oscars or awards because Oscars are snobs and they don't appreciate good horror films or any horror films, but yeah, malignant, like highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I'm sure it's available out in the world. I think it's on HBO max. Check it out. It's incredible. Okay, except me. Check except it out, for you. everybody. <laughs> if yeah. you're if you're scared, then don't watch it. <laughs> One of these days, the world will get so scary that I will go to horror films. To... I'll need to when I need to get 
really prepared for for the worst i can i'll just do a crash course okay all right so, top five baby here top we go five all right so number five dinner in america this movie is incredible again first released in 2020 at festivals but then pandemic being weird it didn't really make its way to be able to be seen until 2021 so that's why i count it some movies have a longer journey than others uh, I don't need to go too much in depth in this because we're actually going to devote a whole entire episode to it soon. But uh, it's directed by Adam Raymeyer. It's just an amazing, weird little movie about a punk kid who just kind of takes over this family. And then there's some surprising things that happen that are unexpected emotionally. And it wins my award for Oscar for best screenplay okay. is this movie. Okay. Dinner in America, which is tied with the movie I'm going to mention after this. The best screenplay is a tie. Okay. But this is one of the two movies up for best screenplay. I think the screenplay, you'll hear us talk about it in the episode about this movie, but the script is why this movie is so good along with the performances. It like it takes a premise that seems like you've seen it before in a kind of movie that you feel like you've seen before, but takes it to just another level and the dialogue is so fun and great and the characters are so well written and it's just like every there's not a wasted beat in this movie incredible dinner in america check it out again that's a hard one to find i don't know i think it's done at festivals but unfortunately no one in hollywood wanted to embrace it it's not on netflix it's not up for an oscar it's not up for nothing so what what can you do well what? uh <laughs> just Spoiler alert, folks, there is no argument when we discuss Dinner in America. We are fully on the same page as far as that. I, Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. You, you can tune into that episode. That's the episode right after this one. So Next week. Uh, you yeah. won't have to wait long. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number four, also winner for best screenplay, Zola by Janissa Bravo. Hey. Last month, I went dancing at this cute spot in Florida where my roommate's girl made like five Gs a night. Because of my we just met yesterday and you already trying to take whole trips together? Be ready by two. Passes! You want to hear a story about how me and this bitch fell out? It's kind of long, but it's full of suspense. You want to go somewhere with me? That's my place. So Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you thanking you today for all the bounties that you have bestowed upon us, Jesus. Brings you to Tampa. Hey, we're making some money. Making that money. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hey, damn. From here on out, watch every move this bitch makes. No more. I didn't do nothing wrong. 
I came to dance. No, 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 we're done with that. Why you on my Twitter? Why you on my Facebook? Why you on my Tumblr? Why are you DMing me? Sis, why are you tagging me sis. in photos? You don't know. Sis. Let me know. Yes, me... sis. This movie is so good. And this was, to me, one of the biggest, biggest shocks that it wasn't up for any awards because people really did like it. Uh, the only movie that I know of based on a Twitter feed <laughs> as it follows this crazy story about this stripper going on this insane Florida adventure. It has shocking parts in it. It is definitely like a very R-rated comedy, but with some really good emotional you know, moments. And the acting is just uh, incredible from everybody. Um, it's just it's just so good. Like Taylor Page's Zola should have gotten an Oscar nomination. Uh, Riley Kyogh, uh, Kyogh, however you say her last name, Elvis is grand. Elvis is granddaughter. She's really good as Stephanie. It's just it's so funny. It's so good. Uh, the, it's so well directed. Janisa Bravo is one of my favorite filmmakers of now. Her movie before this, uh, Lemon, is incredible. And I think we're going to keep seeing more great things from her. Did you watch Zola? No. Oh. I, 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 oh. I, it's one of those ones that I knew yeah. that you were going to give love to. And I just, I, in all my Oscar research, I'm kind of like, <laughs> okay, well, I, it, I can't wait to hear you talk about it. And then I'll watch it. I, yeah, I'm, I'm very I, excited. I think it's some it. of the most exciting filmmaking. Like, there's certain scenes where I'm just like that, that feeling, that, that, that goosebumpy feel where you're in the hands of like a director doing something new. And that's what you get. You get that a lot from Zola, where you're just like, "Oh my god, I've never seen a moment like this." It's just so exciting, and it's just the whole way the whole movie unfolds is so thrilling. It's on Showtime. Check out Zola; it is awesome. It is so good, and it's a travesty that it's up for zero Oscars. <laughs> no, zero Oscars. It's Oscar zero zero it, Oscars. It is yeah up for all the yeah, Oscars. Yeah, it, we, <laughs> best, all it, the Oscars. It won best screenplay Oscar for me. All right. <clears throat> Excellent. Number Excellent. three. Okay. Number three, my only TV entry. Uh, episode one of season six of Inside Number Nine, Wuthering Heist. It's a 30-minute episode based on the old Italian way of doing theater called Com- Commedia della Arte, which is a uh, way they did theater. Dell'arte. The- dell'arte. In the 1600s in Italy, they did these plays where they would wear these extravagant masks and these characters would kind of be these sort of almost like, not one note, but they'd be kind of like very exaggerated. Like here's the, you know, like this kind of millionaire and here's like stock characters, uh, you know, and they decided to do a whole half hour show that's basically Reservoir Dogs as if it was that kind of play. And it's one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen on what I still consider to be the best TV show on that nobody cares about. Inside Number 9 is just an incredible show. Every season, it's been on for six years now. Uh, the creators, Steve Pemberton and Reese Shearsmith, I think are geniuses. Uh, this is a British show. Uh, I don't know where you can find it. Maybe Amazon, maybe HBO. I don't know where, where it can, but it, to me it's like the better Black Mirror because it's shorter, it's funnier, and it just it, there's something about it that really works every time. The whole season six was great, but this episode Wuthering Heist is like a new kind of brilliant that I didn't even know could exist. It's so funny and it's so weird. So we're at we're at number two. Number two. What are we? We're... Bad trip. 
directed by I'm going to oh, say this name baby. wrong. Kitao Sakurai? Is that how you say? I'm going to, I said that totally wrong. I think it's pronounced Kitao Sakurai. Great. <laughs> Kitao Sakurai Wonderful. is the director. We just want to, you know, yeah. while, we're, while we're giving him such props, we want to yeah. get Kitao's name right. Written and starring Eric Andre. Amazing. It's just like this, it's the same kind of movie as like the Bad Grandpa and uh, my favorite movie of, of the year before last, the Practical Jokers movie, where it's the prank movie with a plot like Borat, but I think this is the best of that kind of movie that's ever been made. It's so, so good. It genuinely is like what I want comedies to be like. This is like heightened slapstick, heightened visual humor, so funny. Uh, And the first time ever, it's a hidden camera movie that isn't mean. It doesn't come off as mean. Like all of the rest of them, the ones that I like, like Borat and all that, like the Jackass stuff, like there's still a little bit of a meanness and the way that it deals with or fools people. But this doesn't have that. And in fact, what it does is the opposite, where it kind of lifts up humanity and shows how great people can be, which I've never seen in a hidden camera comedy before. And it's just so good. And it's just, it's uh, it's it's the funniest comedy I've seen and I can't even remember. Lil Rel is amazing in it. And... It's my pick for an Oscar for Best Actress for Tiffany Haddish. Y'all seen these dudes before, right here? I don't know them. Hey, brother. Oh. I'm looking for these dudes right here. They stole my car. Look at it. She beautiful. <laughs> That's a colorful car. This bud right here. He like this tall, real dark, real kind of chubby. Look like a peanut. This dude right here, Chris, got like a big nose, got that white boy nose, but black features. All right. Matter of fact, might have to staple his nuts. You know what I'm saying? If y'all see these niggas right here, they stole my car, I'm gonna kill these niggas. Just like that. Just like fucking that. Uh-uh, now don't tear up in here now. That girl, she could've came in here and started blazing. Exactly. Like, but look what she wrote. They stole my car, and I went back for a house kill for both. That's all the terrorists do get locked up for that. She is my favorite actress of the year. In this movie, she is incredible, uh, and it's just it's just so funny. And what she's all in it on this character, and the fact that she didn't get an Oscar nomination for even supporting actress, is bullshit. Because <laughs> she's so good, and the character feels so real. And uh, she plays sort of this escaped convict <laughs> going after these poor guys. Uh, and it's just it's wild, it's crazy, and surprisingly full of heart. And like this movie's on Netflix, it came out and then it in classic Netflix buried and never advertised again. And I think people forgot how great this movie is. But here on the world is wrong. Well, not we, if they're listening to not, the Oscars. Not if you're listening yeah. to the Oscars. Bad Trip is so worth your time. Please watch it. It is the best. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bad Trip. I think this is the first of a of a mini wave, a little that that bad trip is going to uh, spread across this this podcast. So where are we at with number one? Number one, and this was like I knew before I saw it it was going to be number one, and then when I saw it, I was like, "There's going to be no movie better than this," and I was right. And that might even be the case for this year. This might be my pick next year and every year after because <laughs> I can't think of a movie better. Then Annette by Leos Carex. First time I fell in love. Woke up next to the girl. And escaped fast and far. 
and Anne has changed me. What I see in her is obvious. What she sees in me is... Hmm, that's a little more puzzling. One, two, three, four! This movie is incredible. This is what this is this is what movies are supposed to be. And the fact that it's up for zero Oscars is maddening, but at the same time great, because it then means that we can champion it. Uh, but like, gosh darn it, this movie's so good. It's a musical music script written by the Sparks, band Sparks, the Mail Brothers, Adam Driver, my pick for best actor. He is just a powerhouse in this. He is like Brando level fucking good in this movie. Like a difficult character, a despicable character, but like you can't take your eyes off of him. Has some of the most beautiful moments I've ever seen in any movie ever. It just, it's gorgeous looking. So that's my, this is my pick for actor, director, and picture. Annette. And it's on Amazon and a lot of people didn't like it. And they're wrong. <laughs> the world is wrong. This they're movie wrong. is the world is. Yeah. I I will go as far as say I think this movie is a masterpiece. I really do. Like I think like I've never seen a movie like it. It's incredible. Please watch it. Yeah, yeah. That's my Oscars lit. There, that's it. <laughs> and there's no re like that's it's fully available. On some of these films are hard <laughs> to find. Annette is not hard to find. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll be yeah. talking more about that about that film, but wonderfully, one, uh, that's a that's a fantastic list, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, there's several films there. A whole a whole uh, introduction to your cinematic world. I feel like <laughs> with uh, ten through fourteen, and then just a nice mix of films that a a ceremony devoted to celebrating the best in film you think would have room for but uh it, that le- that leaves a lot a lot of room for us so uh were were there any harsh cuts were there any ones that you sort of like eh, i would mm. are there any honorable mentions no that was the only those are the only good movies i watched <laughs> last year everything else would start okay, good well, I, and then yeah. i wouldn't be into it or that was that was it for new stuff yeah those 14 that's what I got. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
and the Bond film. Oh yeah, that would be that would round it out to fifteen. And like I haven't seen Licorice Pizza or the the French Dispatch or things that I know I'll probably like, but I just haven't had time. And they were up for Oscars, except yeah. for French Dispatch. But I'll watch them. They'll be watched. Okay. Well, who knows? Maybe when I get to my list, you'll be like, oh. <laughs> Maybe I should have put that on. Who knows? <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, but it's, my list is is going to be, yeah, to, you, have, you just have to wait a little bit longer for that moment when uh, I'm sure to elicit booze from the conservative <laughs> uh, Noscar, the section, the conservative section of the Noscar audience. <laughs> uh, I, it's it's as you if you listen to last year's episode with. Uh, A.J. Gonzalez, where we talked about Oscars pro and con, uh, you know that that's my favorite part of any Oscars, political speech, of any uh, Academy <laughs> Award ceremony when the someone gets up and makes a political speech and people boo. Uh, it's if they make a political speech and people are just yay, then I'm less inclined. It has to come; they have to come up and get booed. That's like the, <laughs> that's all right. That's because they all in in the end, the people who were booed at the Oscars are almost always proven right by history. So it's just <laughs> such a great moment to be heroic in front in front of a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, you know, reactionary millionaires. Uh, <laughs> t- yeah. Entitled millionaires. <laughs> not all actors. Not all of the actors are there are millionaires. There's a lot of, you know, there's 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 some, you know, Dumb uh, middle class people there too, <laughs> so and, and mean middle class people too. Maybe even the meanest. Uh, but anyway, uh, maybe I'm getting the booze right now. <laughs> boo, boo, boo. <laughs> okay, well, you'll be happy to know that I'm leaving the stage, and so is Brian, and uh, and we're bringing in one of our most popular guests, the fabulous Jen Brown, who uh, who we, we just love having on this show. She's an actor. She's uh, a writer, she's a director, she is a huge fan and booster of all things film, but particularly, uh, she lo- she particularly loves the horror. And I met her when she was co-hosting a podcast called Women in Caskets, and they were doing a whole series on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, going through all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and uh, because, you know, mostly focusing on the female characters and uh, and because it's sort of a, a women-driven franchise in its way. And uh, and since then, we've become great friends. And now let's invite her onto the show to tell us what her Noscar nominees are. Dear listener, if you are just discovering our podcast, you can find all of our episodes on our website at theworldiswrongpodcast.com. You can also write to us at contact at theworldiswrongpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at theworldiswrongpodcast. And now, back to the show. Eight notes scale an octave. Master the scale and you master the score. Welcome back to The World is Wrong, Jen. <gasps> Yay! Uh, this is, what, three or four now? I love this. I uh, yeah. I feel like a special, special guest. You are a special, special guest. In fact, you are almost a recurring character. Yay! We'll get the there. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's almost you are recur- you are a character and you are recurring. So you are, in fact, yes. a recurring character. 
And uh, so, and you were here for last year's Noscars Awards, and yes. you had an epic list, and you have I a did. somewhat less epic list to get through yeah. this time. Why don't we just start? How how do you have your how do you how have you organized your Noscars nominees? So here's the fun thing. <laughs> uh, I was way less organized with it this year. Uh, I also happen to see way less films uh, last year than I did the previous year. Um, And so this is going to be a lot briefer. And I don't so much have like a standard organization. I just have a list of movies and and a few different things I want to say about them. But they get awards. They get awards. You sent me a list of 10 films. So how do you want to do this? Is it okay if I mention them first, or did you want to bring them up? No, no. However you want to do it. So, first off, last year I did not include television, even though I know we were allowed to include any media we wanted. This year, I included one television show, um, even though there's a lot of television this year that was absolutely fantastic. But this particular show has to get my... Big, 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 like, burr, 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 fireworks award for show that I so desperately needed and was completely not expecting to receive, which is We Are Lady Parts, which is on Peacock, the, the NBC streaming. We Are Lady Parts. Here's a little something we thought you might like. That is me, 26. Capricorn, finishing a PhD in microbiology. And this is Lady Parts, a confused mix of hash anthems and sour girl power. Our sound is thin. We need something more. We need lead guitarists. We don't need a wanky, self-indulgent guitar soloist jizzing all over our songs. This decided. Who would have thought that our orbits were soon to collide? You. You went to St. Abigail's Primary School. You play guitar in the talent show. You got expelled for selling school furniture. Verily, tis I. Play something. Play something. Play something. <laughs> I don't perform. My nervy disposition induces diarrhea and vomiting. Ew. I vowed I would never perform again, but Lady Parts had other plans. She's our guitarist. like therapy but with a lot of screaming hey you got a problem with my lyrics you could do less more to our newest band member a delightful freak show Mm -hmm. and our great new friend wait am i really that bad you're that good we're sisters our music is about representation it's about being heard Yes, Ma. And you haven't been... Uh-uh. Or... This is us, by us, for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, little teenage riot girl Jen Brown would have just... Ugh, I can't... I mean... If this existed when I was a teenager, um, 
I'm not saying I would have turned out differently, but I I might have felt more supported in some of my decisions and not waited till I was, you know, 25 to, to come out and really pursue my dreams. But it's a really brilliant show about Muslim ragdoll punk band. And it's hilarious and well-written and everything I love about everything. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you can you you encouraged me to check it out, and I did. And I watched the first three episodes. And it definitely is a uh, is something to recommend. So that's your your choice for TV show of the year. Yes. Your that is, nominee that is my, TV yeah. show of the year. So Correct. what else you got for us? All right. And uh, I'm going to start off with my best comedy. I guess well, I guess that's the best way to say it. Best comedy of the year mm-hmm. uh, is another female-centric film that if I was uh, a teenager and this particular movie came out, I feel like I there's I would have felt more secure in some <laughs> choices, uh, which is Plan B. Right now, puberty is telling you to step on the gas. If your vagina was a car, what would it be? Ferrari. Today's covered up and completely untouched in the garage. Mine would definitely be a transformer. You think you know her? Boom. Autobots pop out. I feel like if you're following the metaphor, that means you have craps. What? We finally tried reverse cowgirl. And? Amazing, right? It wasn't that great for me, but I feel like it looked cool. I was a horse fucking and I haven't even had my first kiss. Oh, fuck. Look at Hunter. Who plays hockey in a cardigan? He's like an athletic librarian. You know, Sunny's throwing a party. Really? Love a good high school party with the liquors and the touching, all the other stuff, drugs. Big night for you. Inviting your crush. Partying and drinking. I feel so stimulated. Is this what white privilege feels like? Take good choices. Plan B is basically a raunchy teen sex comedy, except it stars two non-white girls, one of whom is bi and Latinx. So I personally was like, ha, teen me. And she's unshaven. I will say I saw a lot of unshaven women in movies this year, and it made me so freaking happy as an unshaven hairy weirdo myself. Uh, It was lovely to see a teenager in a teen film with unshaven pits and be like the badass. Um, So... So Plan B, sort of uh, Dude, Where's My Birth Control? Yes, yes, but with these Without the dudes. Without the dudes. And all of, it's just, it's it's sweet, it's funny. It's the kind of message we should be sending sex positive wise to teenagers right now that I wish I had when I was growing up that was sex positive for for both sides, where the, the shame on the girl just is not, very much not considered kosher. <laughs> so I really, I just, I loved it. And it's funny. It's funny as fuck. Plan B. Check it out. Best comedy nominee. What's next? You know I love a movie that shoves as many genres as it can into one film. And takes turns you wouldn't expect. And that was Jacob's Wife for me, which is my horror of the, well, my unexpected horror of the year. Jacob's wife, uh, Barbara Crampton, absolute horror legend, 
This is a movie she had been wanting to get made for a very long time. And it shows she is so amazing in it. It's horrifying and equally hilarious. It shifts tones wildly, but successfully, which I love in a horror movie. And it does things I've never seen in a horror movie before. And I don't want to give anything away because it really just does some fun, fun ass shit with. uh... Well, actually, you know what? I'm never going to say what kind of movie it is because. If you don't know anything, it'll be even more fun going into it. Um, other than, you know, it's a horror movie with Barbara Crampton that she's been championing. And that's all you should really need to know. Okay. Unexpected Horror of the Year, Jacob's Wife with Barbara Crampton. And you didn't mention it, but Bonnie Aaron's also in that film. And yes, yes. She's, she's always an interesting actor to see. So what's next? Best Documentary of the Year for me and also... Ugh, most heartbreaking cry of the year. I've I'm a huge fan of Adrian Shelley. Waitress is one of my favorite movies. Her story is very heartbreaking because it's hard to bring up her name without bringing up the horrific way in which she was murdered. And this documentary is made by her surviving husband and uh their daughter as well, who is now a teenager. And it is an absolutely stunning, beautiful, gorgeous homage to a brilliantly talented woman who was taken from us right before she was about to really get everything she deserved. And when she was at her happiest, too. Um, It's tragic, but it is a celebration of her life. Uh, And... A celebration of survivors and of grief and learning how to not let grief completely take over you, but also knowing how to keep that person alive and never forget their memory and do right by them. It's really, it's a stunning, stunning, stunning movie, but it also will rip your heart out, so... Be prepared to be very sad. Um, Just comes with that warning of like, yes, it's a beautiful exploration of her life and her work, but it also does talk about her murder. Okay. Best documentary, Adrian, about Adrian Shelley, who, if you're not familiar with her work as a writer and director, you may also be familiar with her for her work in... Uh, so many great Hal Hartley films. I think that's where mm-hmm. most of us became aware of her. Yep. So what's next? So uh, my this this next movie gets my award for uh, best non-sexual nudity because I love me some non-sexual nudity in a movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it also gets the award for greatest accidental performances and that's bad trip because that movie was exactly what I needed it to be I'm such an Eric Andre fan and what they managed to do with improv and hidden camera and to create an entire movie based on those two tenants with only like the main cast knowing what's going on it is brilliant it is 
wrong and right and perfect and and I'm not a huge prank show prank you know comedy type of person Eric Andre is like the exception for me because he's just so absurdist and performance art comedy in a way that I just fucking love everything he does um and and oh my god Tiffany Haddish in this movie holy fucking shit she's great in everything but there's something extra special about her in this fucking film and also uh my husband is like that's the hottest Tiffany Haddish has ever been like he's thinks she's just really turned on by her tomboy uh like dressed down no makeup look and bad trip and I love I love it I love that he like I just love it. It's just there's something wonderful about that. And she does. She looks hot as shit. And that, like, I agree with him. <laughs> uh, and it's hysterical and smart. And I just, yeah. Lorel and Eric Andre and, uh, oh, my gosh, the woman who plays his love interest. Uh, I forgot to look up her name. She's utterly incredible in it, too, because she is super committed um, but it's all really believable. It's just, it's a great time. We, I've watched it multiple times since it came out. Excellent. And this is best non-sexual nudity and greatest accidental performances in yeah. Bad Trip. Yeah. Okay, so what's next? Okay, my next award is for best overall visual direction in that Gorgeous direction, beautiful lighting, even better costumes, choreography, cinematography, all of it visually absolutely stunning. And this movie, honestly, is everything I wanted it to be until the last, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> um, where the end, the ending was fumbled a little bit, but it doesn't take away from how stunningly beautiful tell last us what it is last night i literally you yelled right as i was saying it <laughs> okay right as i was saying it Ugh. okay what is it last night in soho sorry for interrupting you that's okay <laughs> yes so edgar wright's latest last night in soho i'm with you surprisingly got no nominations what's what's wrong with the world right Absolutely gorgeous. I, I I wasn't, you know, a big fan of how he decided to end it. But up until the ending, it's just a really freaking beautiful movie. Um, this beautiful. It's beautiful. It's just visually stunning. So I have to give it love for that. And he directs it very, very well. Uh, and I honestly have no issue with any of it up until the last, like, 10 or 15 minutes. Um, but I won't let that erase, you know, everything else I loved about the movie. Is that Edgar Wright's first film with where the it's a female protagonist? I think so. I think it might be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I, I think you're right. Well, how do you feel like he did? Well, like I said, I was a huge fan up until the last 10 minutes. And it wasn't even 
the choice of what was made. It was how it was justified and the tone shift was, it went from being this really well thought out movie to like this ending that felt more gotcha instead of actually in line with what could have been said. I don't know. It's it's hard to talk about it without spoiling it. Right. <laughs> well, I recommend people check it out as well. So what? Me what's too. next yeah. on your list? Um. All right. And that leads me to... Oh, uh, I wanted to do just a couple quick mentions. Little shout outs. Pig was absolutely hands down one of the best movies of the year. Everything about it is absolutely perfect. It it's like my second best movie of the year. Um, and I wanted to mention that before going into my favorite movie and in my opinion, the best film of 2021. And that is Nia DaCosta's Candyman. Candyman. The urban legend is if you say his name five times while looking in the mirror, he appears in the reflection and kills you. Who would do that? Candyman. 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 Well, we're still alive. <laughs> Let's go. Trina, you broke the door. feel really connected to this neighborhood. Cabrini Green it was the projects. I just moved in around the corner. The old candy factory. I'm an artist. You look up a candy man. He's the monster. It's part of this neighborhood. Why are you drawn to this? I'm hoping to spread the story all about Candyman. The mirror invites you to summon him. You should say his name. I dare you. Candyman. 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 Don't. Don't say that. Candyman. Okay. You know I didn't see it, so tell me about it. <laughs> I know. Uh, so, have you seen the original Candyman? I'm assuming that's a no. No. No, I know, I'm, I'm familiar with the story, and I know that okay. it's really good. Okay. And if I ever decide to, like terrorize myself for a year it will be one of the ones that i put on my list <laughs> so nia DaCosta's candy man first off the fact that she became the first black woman to have a movie open number one at the box office is both amazing and sad that she was the first but uh Absolutely incredible that that barrier was finally broken and very well deserved. I actually did see this in the theater. I wore a face mask the entire time um, and we went during the day to make sure that we were like some of the only people in the theater. And I I had Barrett and Dawn, my, two, my, my husband and my best friend uh, with me on either side of me. And since they couldn't see my facial reactions of how much I was loving it, I just kept like grabbing their arms and being like, ah! 
like shaking my head violently like how amazing is this because the visuals and all of the mirror play that she does in this movie are absolute freaking perfection um the acting is beautiful the integration of the original while also enhancing and uh evolving the the story without erasing the original context she adds a new meaning to it that oh is so it's rough but it's honest and it's real and it says a lot about society which as we know horror movies love to do um and this one does it beautifully well and i i uh, the perform i mean everything i honestly like it's practically perfect um I just, I just visually and I just, I uh, like, it leaves me at a loss for words. As obviously the direction, the mirror work, the acting, the writing, the integrate, everything um, about it. And then you throw on top of that the visuals and then the kind of paper cutout animation work that's also done that was used in the trailer that was just absolutely jaw-breaking. Uh, <laughs> jaw dropping and jaw breaking too really um <laughs> literally well when it drops there's a, right. there's a chance it'll break <laughs> and it's just as impactful and as stunning when it's used in the film itself as it was used in the trailer and i i just can't say enough nice things about it it is such an utterly beautiful and stunning film Okay, well, I I look forward to being stunned by its beauty. Well, I probably no. won't be. <laughs> you, but, won't, you won't be. But I'm very, I'm always happy to hear when people bring genuine artistry to any genre that is ghettoized. And hor- so, and so when it's horror, whether it's uh, an action film or whether it's a comedy or heaven forbid, a superhero film, if someone brings that extra level that says, this is a work of art, even though it's also clearly a work of commerce, um, that's that's the kind of film that an academy devoted to awarding the best in motion pictures should consider honoring. I cannot. I'm... It is the one that I'm like, you're kidding, right? Nothing? Nothing? Nothing. Not even. Wow. Well, that's so, what makes it available to you. For how would, <sighs> bummed would you be if you couldn't discuss it on this Oscars episode? I, I. That's true. I would be super bummed. There are a few movies I did really love that got nominated, but not many, to be honest. Actually, I think there are only two animated movies that I loved actually got uh, nominated this year. But oh, come on! Power of the Dog is good. And so is and licorice pizza is, is okay. Very good. I haven't seen a lot of things. Remember, I've seen I've also seen barely any of the movies nominated, <laughs> with the exception of animated movies. So, well, there's also that. <laughs> yes. As always, we appreciate your contributions to our Noscars ceremony. Wouldn't be the same without you. You bring a, a totally unique vision to the to this uh, 
this endeavor. Is there anything you'd like to let people know about where people can find out what you're doing? Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, for I can't remember if the last time I'm, I can't remember if the last time I was on the Roku links to my show had been added yet, but. Genre Graveyard with Jen and Fantasma, the four episodes that aired on El Rey in 2020, are available for free to watch on the Roku channel or directly on the uh, web, just, you know, at Roku.com. We also have eight unaired episodes that we are working on finishing up right now. I'm not sure when those are going to come out, but to make sure you are ready for when they do, get on uh, the Roku, watch those four episodes, follow... uh, genre underscore graveyard on twitter and let us let us know what you think we will we will jen thank you so much for being a part of, of this. course for you anything well not anything but film related <laughs> gotta gotta qualify your consent yeah <laughs> Andras here. When I'm not co-hosting the World is Wrong podcast, I'm hosting and producing the Radio 8-Ball podcast, where we answer questions by picking songs at random, like picking musical tarot cards. We've hosted musical divinations for people like John C. Riley, Patricia Arquette, Tignataro, and Fred Armisen, and hosted over 200 songwriters providing the randomly chosen answers from Inara George and Dan Byrne, to Mose Allison and Alan Toussaint. That's Radio 8-Ball, all one word. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and download our app from the iTunes App Store. Okay, well, uh, what do you think about Jen Brown? More bad trip love. I love it. This is good. Bad trip sweep to sweep. Uh, I want to see that Candyman movie. That this, that I really love the original a lot, and I'm glad to hear that this new one isn't a remake and kind of more just a continuation of it. Have you watched We Are Lady Parts or Plan B? I've not. No. Uh, I've watched, as I said in the uh, in the discussion with Jen, I've watched a few episodes of We Are Lady Parts, and it's it's a good show. Kind of the <laughs> the tone is sort of um, Parks and Recreation is that's sort of the speed of it. So very like sharp, funny, but as uh, as Jen said, from a point of view you often you don't often see represented on TV shows of Muslim punk rock uh, Muslim riot girls, you know, that's kind of uh I don't have you seen a show about from that point of view before? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Yeah. So let, yeah, so bring very it. necessary. Very, very necessary. Very that's cool. why we that's why we bring Jen Jen Brown to uh to turn our attention to films that we might or and films and cinematic properties that might uh not hit our radar. So now it's on our radar. Did you see Last Night in Soho? No, I didn't. Brian? I've not seen it. Are yet. you a fan of Edgar Wright? Not really. <laughs> I like Shaun of the Dead and Spaced, and then after that, I, I drop off. Yeah. Really? Not a big Baby Driver fan? I hated that movie. <laughs> hated Baby Driver. Hated Baby Driver. I'm with Anthony Bourdain on this one. He didn't like it either. What does Anthony Bourdain know about movies? <laughs> I don't know. What do I know about movies? <laughs> <laughs> we 
we make them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> okay, and, uh, and you worked in a video store for for de- yeah. for decades, basically. Yeah, yeah. You you know a little bit about movies. You've earned. I te- I trust you more about movies than Anthony Bourdain. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyways, no, I it's did fun. not no, see. I, it. I, I, uh, but going back to what we were saying about movies that are just sort of fun, visceral, like to me, I have a hard time differentiating between Baby Driver and Gunpowder Milkshake and other film. Um, there's a film I'll be talking about that's a sort of a, an honorable mention on my list. That's another one that's like that. That. You know, sometimes it grabs me, sometimes it doesn't. But what is it about? I'm just kind of curious. We don't have to go down the full rabbit hole, but what <laughs> was it about that film that made it not Kill Bill? Um, the it, the uh, piss poor writing. Terrible screenplay. The piss poor writing. <laughs> the terrible dialogue right. coming out of everyone's mouth. The non-existent, awful characterization. The stupidity of just the whole thing. It just made so much didn't make sense. Scenes that felt like commercials. Just I hated it across the board. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I know you all love it. Everyone loves it. I get it. I get it. I'm a man alone. Whatever. Baby driver. You can have your baby driver. I don't need it. You can have it. Great. Good for you. All right, I'm walking off. All right, I'm walking off. I'm walking off the stage. Goodbye. Okay. Now you can go back. No, 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 no. Okay, no, no, no. See, why are you stealing my shtick? I'm the one who's supposed to get booed at the Nazis. Okay, Brian. all right. Well, speaking of, let's let's do it. Let's hear your your list and your picks. I'm excited. Let's see if there's any crossover. Let's see if there's a continued sweep of any of these movies. Okay. Yeah. So, may we start? I'm gonna start off. I'm going to do this all backwards. Okay, okay. I'm going to start off by just telling you One, two, the best three, films, four. what I think are the best films of the year, my favorite films of the year, or what I would say is the Noscarist films of the year. <laughs> and let's just like cut to the chase. We are in total agreement that Annette is the film yeah! of the year. So may we start. So may we start. It's time to start. I'm time to start. They hope that it goes the way it's supposed to go. There's fear in their heart, but they can't let it show. They're underprepared, but that may be enough. The budget is large, but still, it's not enough. So may we start. Sweep, sweep, sweep. It's the world is it's the it's the Noscarist. It's like the world is the most wrong about it. So many people haven't seen it. Um, I'll just tell you my experience of it is that unlike you, I'm not a huge fan of Sparks. 
I'm not a not fan. I'm just not a huge fan of, of Sparks. And I had I've not been a huge Adam Driver fan. He's slowly working his magic on me, but. Uh, none of the actors in it were people I was particularly compelled by drawn to see them because I I love any of them particularly Uh, the director Leo Carrix I've been putting off seeing Holy Motors for it feels like years just because it's one of those films that was sold to me as like you really need to see this in a great on a great screen and in a great environment so uh, so I've been putting it off and so I I I guess that that was the one little hook, but I didn't even know. I, I didn't even put together that he was the director of both films until after I had seen Annette and gotten so excited about it to want to know who was involved. And with all of that ambivalence, uh, the film just overwhelmed me. Yeah. And I am a fan of everyone involved. On a on a much greater level than I was before, and that's kind of what we're gonna do. What I want to do, as far as like why I'm laying out the the best first, because I want to throughout my list of nominees, I kind of want to dig into the whys because in the celebration of, uh, of aspects of the, of the of the or of celebration of individual contributors to those films. So Annette was the one, <laughs> but. This is a list of nominees. So there's a list of the most of the Noster of the Noscarist films of the year. <laughs> and it's they're the ones that I found myself recommending to people the most and having them say, I haven't even heard of that, or <laughs> no, I haven't seen it yet, or some version of yeah. that. So yeah. the first of those this year was Pig. Uh, have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet because it's like there's someday Nicolas Cage is going to die and there's going to be no more Nicolas Cage. So like I'm hoarding like there's a lot of good Nicolas Cage I haven't seen because I want it to last. I'm rationing, he's, I'm rationing he's, it out. He's going to live for like another run, 20 or 30 and, years, I think. You yeah, I'm rationing this one out, but it's, it's definitely like I know I need to see it. Well, Pig is going to be getting more love throughout this uh, this podcast. Then there is... A, in my mind, a double feature because I saw them the same, I feel like the same week. I, had, I hadn't heard of either of them and they both totally took me by surprise. One is Old Henry starring Tim Blake Nelson, written and directed by, I believe, a first time filmmaker, Patsy Poncharoli. And it is a just a very sneaky little Western. Tim Blake Nelson and Stephen Dorff, who every time he shows up in a film, I'm just like, he might be the most underrated yeah. movie star oh, yeah. of my generation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He he's just, so good. <laughs> so he's so over and over. Like I, I, one day we'll do an episode about Blood and Wine. Yeah. Yeah. He's like in a movie where, with. Jack Nicholson and Michael Caine, and he's able somehow, to hold it. Stephen Dorff, <laughs> kind of like he he steals the movie as much as anybody possibly could in that yeah, role. Yeah. Just yeah, such a fantastic actor, and in this, great him playing the heavy, underestimating Tim Blake Nelson as he Tim Blake Nelson gives. 
I don't know. I mean, he doesn't get to play that many leads. Never. And I, <laughs> so this has to be the great, at this point, the great Tim Blake Nelson leading role, perform, leading man performance. And you recently saw it. We were talking about doing an episode about this one. So let's... I, I, you you must have a take on it. I know it's not probably not as enthusiastic I, as mine. I think I'm a little bit on an island with this one. I really but. love the simplicity of it. I really like that it's just one location, like basically five speaking parts. Like I really enjoyed that. And it reminded me, like that first part of the movie felt very Coen Brothers-y in a way. Um, like totally mm-hmm. not a mistake. Yeah, I'm there's sure. definitely a no country uh, for old yeah. men. There are different reactions to money that, yeah. because in No Country for Old Men, when James Brolin... Or Josh Brolin, sorry, sees the money. He goes, yep. And in this one, Tim Blake Nelson says, nope. <laughs> so different reaction. Uh, and uh, it kind of hits the notes that you want from a Western. It has a big twist in it that I thought was totally great. I thought it kind of petered out in the last 20 minutes. I thought it kept going. It should have ended at a certain point. I would have ended it a lot sooner. But it is, it is good. It is an entertaining movie. I just feel like I don't quite have the same excitement that you have. But I definitely enjoyed watching it and tim blake nelson is great and like the acting from everybody's yeah. great like yeah maybe if you weren't vaporizing on every idea that came into your head yes <laughs> he, he has lines like that they're just he's, it's a i love the script i i love i really loved it but i feel like if there are films like this that they're tough because if you recommend them you deny people the opportunity to have the experience that made it so great, which is to stumble across it and be like, oh, a Tim Blake Nelson Western. Okay, well, sure. And then have it work its magic on you as opposed to someone tell you, hey, you should check out this film. And then you go into it with a different thing going on. So yeah. pretend that I didn't recommend this film. Stock <laughs> it away in your subconscious. And then sometime in the next year or so, stumble across it and think it's your own good idea <laughs> to have watched this film. And yeah. uh, then we'll yeah. all win. Uh, the other film that I was that I was pairing it with in my mind was a film called Wild mm. Indian that we are going to do an episode yeah. about. And that was written and directed by Lyle Mitchell Corbe- Corbin or Corbine, Lyle Mitchell Corbine Jr., another first time for filmmaker surprisingly with both Patsy Ponceroli and Lyle Mitchell Corbine Jr. They're both these are these are very sure films from from first time yeah. filmmakers. Yeah. And I don't want to say too much about it because we're going to do a whole episode about it, but it's in my mind it's like a native noir. Yeah, totally. It's a a very it it has it's a crime story that is also it has this just depth to it and yeah. and a a real self self incriminating darkness to it that make that most noir films would have like you a guy comes back from war and he is cynical and dismissive of all those who didn't have the good sense to die in that war. And we buy that and as a heroic thing. And I've just never seen that voice applied to, you know, in a, in a, 
a native film from a native filmmaker and it just rang so true and so unique yeah and uh yeah, we'll I, be talking more about that. But uh, I guess that would be an honorable mention for me. This movie, it just I just saw it so recently that it's hard for me to kind of have the space to think about it. But it, it's really good, and I'm excited to do the episode on it. And another one that sort of crept into this because of I, because of the performance, but it really is the performance is also the direction and is the movie is the guilty. 911, this is emergency operator 625. I've just been Okay, sir, I need to know where you are. Last name? Is this the fire department? No, ma'am, you've reached 911, but I can connect you to fire. Oh, no. Just hold the I line. Can... What did she look like? She was tall, pink hair, in heels. Hey, man, can you tell me how long it's going to take? 911, what is the address of your emergency? I just want to talk to you. Okay, I'm hanging I'm up. Just out for a drive, sweetie, okay? Is there someone with you? Uh-huh. Is the person you're with know you called us? No. Who do they think you called? Your child? Yes, sweetie. Does the person you're with have a weapon? Yes. I need the color of the car, okay? When I say the right one, say it's fine. Red? White? It's fine. Is it a car? No, man. What? No, just yes or no, just yes or no answers, Emma. I'm sorry, I have to hang on. Give me the phone right now. I'm gonna die. I have a woman who's been abducted. What are we looking for? A white van. That's not enough. Come on! Mommy? Man, just talk to your mommy. She's gonna be okay. You promise? I promise. Do you have air support available? Negative. Air support is grounded due to fire weather. There is a scared little girl whose mother has been abducted. I need a better location. I'll get it. How will you get it? I know Emily's with you. Where are you going? What's going on? Oh my god. Really, PD, we need medical immediately. What's going on? Is your seatbelt on? No. Is Henry? No. What year's on? Now listen. I need you to pull the handbrake hard. Pull it. I rewatched it again last night, and it is a it is one of the best films of the year. I don't know this uh, one from Anton Fuqua. It's the it stars Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah, as, yeah. Uh, a cop who has been put on like he's in the middle of a a, a trial or being you know uh, sort of a an unjust cop murder of a of a young man we we learn this throughout the film that he is that this trial is hanging over his head and he has been assigned to work as uh, just a 911 operator and the whole film pretty much takes place with him as the 911 operator losing his mind in a room full of other 911 operators and in and trying to and getting too wrapped up in a case that he that all plays out almost as a radio play. So Ethan Hawke is a, one of the voice actors. Riley Keough is one of the voice actors. And it's him on a headset. The whole movie pretty much happens in this very confined space and plays out 
with mostly audio as far as the mystery of it. And Jake Gyllenhaal is giving, if, if he's one of the great actors of his generation, then he's giving one of the great performance, cinematic performances of all time. It's so intense. Um, that's exciting. He it's he is at the 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 peak of his abilities. He's so strong in it. He's uh yeah, it's and and the first time you watch it, you're blown away by the performance and the second time you watch it, you're really blown away by the movie. And because you can't make a film that's like that. There's a couple of moments where it makes me think of the Ben Stiller bit based upon the Jerry Stiller <laughs> oh, the- like, cause it, <laughs> the radio host what guys like, in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of shots where you see the red light go on and <laughs> it almost like that makes you realize what, how great this movie is because it never falls into that. Yeah. And it, the reason it doesn't is because the performance is so phenomenal at the center of this film. It really weird that it, that it, received no nominations yeah, yeah. at, at yeah. all. Really, really weird. Um, and because it seems also like the kind of film that the Academy likes. So anyway, check it out. Um, and the, and really the, the real runner up for me that I, it's not a, it's not a film that was in movie theaters. It's kind of TV. Uh, it got love from AJ Gonzalez. Get Back is the best film of the year. I mean, <laughs> it's not doesn't really qualify, but the stars are the best, the most charismatic <laughs> people in the world. It's got the best soundtrack. It's I'm so hungry. Like it's I, it, it was the best thing I saw all year. It had the funniest moments. John Lennon. Uh, he does. He's not getting a non, a nomination here, but he he kind of, he was definitely in consideration uh, uh, for his comedic riff on Boy Scouts and masturbation. Uh, <laughs> ah, <laughs> Sir Joseph, it's about this deal with FBI. I need another million from the written. Acclamation of Dick James. I know it's hard, I know it's hard. They died that we might wank. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about the Boy Scouts who aren't allowed to masturbate. Oh. It's very tempting when you're wearing shorts. If they only wore long trousers, maybe they'd stand a chance, you know. But I can tell you, you don't go blind, but very short sighted. <laughs> Have you seen Get Back? Not yet, no. I'm saving it for a rainy day. Because oh. I know it's going to be great. Oh, it's, it's like eight hours long, it's... so it's like I know that's going to be a great eight hours or a great week where it I spread flies, it. Like, I'm it literally excited. flies by. It's crazy how fast it flies by. Like it, it was over too fast for me. Honestly, <laughs> no, I'm I'm really pumped for that. And and I have a couple of other just like really like they they wouldn't have made my list, but they are honorable mentions. One, it if I had given it more time, I probably it probably would have made some other nominations. But no sudden move was such a welcome return to 
the out of sight vibe from mm. Steven Soderbergh. And a, that's my idea of a fun time at, at the movies. And uh, it's a sort of two-hander, but with also a lot of great characters in it uh, with Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro, which is that, that should be enough. Steven Soderbergh <laughs> of crime film and your two stars are Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro. And then just go for the ride. It's it is a it is a uh, yeah. I, have you seen it? No, I've not. But it does look very good. Do you, are you a fan of that? of uh out of sight and oh i love of... i love out of sight no it's my favorite soderbergh movie that movie's great yeah well no sudden move is there to scratch that itch for you <laughs> and then i only really added it when i was when you were talking about the you know you had suicide squad and aj has gun <laughs> powder milkshake so I was thinking, what's the dumb movie that I like that was like that this year? And there is a film called Die in a Gunfight. Okay, never heard of that one. I, I kind of, I mean, I, I, I had that feeling of like, oh man, I don't like that I'm liking this so much, <laughs> but I, I was, and it's directed by Colin Schiffy. And it, star- it stars Alexander Alexandra Daddario and some guy with a you know, handsome guy with spiky hair. Uh, <laughs> who is it? Uh, I don't even know who like the the star the main. Oh, I guess Diego Bonetta. Uh, but the but Travis Fimmel, who is in Raised by Wolves is in it and he's great chewing the scenery Justin Chatwin there's a lot of che- uh, scenery chewing acting going on in between big action scenes and it's just really stupid <laughs> but but great but but yeah great fun stupid in the best way so maybe that's my that's my entry to whatever that would be that and my own prejudice probably kept that off okay. uh, my list because that's not the kind of thing that I usually like. I, that I gen- that's where I get a wise films but <laughs> uh, but I loved it it was a joy Excellent. Uh, okay so those are and along those lines just directorial shout outs uh, to Leo Carrick's for Annette Patsy Poncharoli for Old Henry Lyle Mitchell Corbine Jr. for Wild Indian and Michael Sarnowski for Pig, particularly uh, Poncharoli, Mitchell Corbine Jr. and Sarnowski, because those are first time filmmakers who made films that are some of the best films of the year. And that's That's just super exciting because we have. Yeah. Let them get to make more movies. I want to see more from these folks. Yeah. Um, So. And I didn't put the last duel on my list because I don't think it's one of the best films <laughs> of the year. But it's the the screenwriting, st- the story of the screenwriting on not on uh, the last duel makes it uh, maybe the Noscarist screenplay uh, award because first of all we have Matt Damon and Ben Affleck credited as writers for the first time since their win for Goodwill Hunting, which 
has become Hollywood legend as a film that they probably that they almost surely did not write all by themselves, even though they were credited all by themselves. And then with the last duel, we have them credited with Nicole Holof Center, who is a a really interesting filmmaker who I I'm always interested I'm always curious about what she's doing, and. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, and it's not Hall of Center, but I think it's Hall of Center. And in the promotion for the for the Last Duel, this Ridley Scott film that is sort of a Rashomon take on uh, a rape in like the I don't know the 1600s, 1500s, oldie times in <laughs> ye oldie place, and. The reason that it, I feel like it works and that I buy it are in, is the the lead acting performance from uh, Jodie Cormier, and knowing that Nicole Hollis Center is one of the writers on this rape Rashomon story, and everyone was so furious that nobody was watching The Last Duel, and I blamed The Last Duel for promoting itself as a Ridley Scott film as opposed to promoting itself as a Ridley Scott, Nicole Holof Center film, because I think more people would have gone to see The Last Duel if they knew that her voice was the voice, was the writer's voice in it. And to hide that in the promotion of this film, I think it's one of those cases where the film is wrong about itself. But it's definitely, (laughs) if you can get beyond all of that, I am here to say that The Last Duel is a Ridley Scott, Nicole Holof Center film, including whatever mojo Matt Damon and Ben Affleck can still muster and including uh, someone who I'm going to be talking about a a lot about uh, going forward is the, is Adam driver as uh, I think this was the, I saw this before Annette and this was the one that really got Mm. me because this is a, a really uh, complicated and despicable character. Gen- genuinely the villain of this piece. And he plays it with so little care as to, you know, about being liked. And I know that's kind of his thing, yeah. <laughs> but it really worked on me. It's like the cur- like he brought such weird flair to a really... Uh, yeah, just a terrible guy. And all of that's working in this film. And we'll be, I'll be talking. I guess, how am I going to do this? I guess I'll just reveal it. Uh, because Adam Driver is my nominee for the most actor, most actor of the year. Nice. Now, the, the, there's a difference between the Noscarist actor and the most actor. The most actor and the most actress is an award that I give to the actor who's just had the best year working in multiple films. So it's cool when an actor is in one great film, like uh, Lady Gaga in uh, House of the Gucci. But when an actor has one of those crazy years like uh, Sidney Poitier had when In the Heat of the Night was out and... Was he also in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner I feel that's that the, year? Both the same year. That seems right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I feel like there was another, like sometimes just an actor has an amazing year and you can't really honor it by just focusing on one film. And a lot of times they sort of cancel all those great things cancel each other out. So in this case, Adam Driver was in The Last Duel. He's in House of Gucci and in Annette. And in The Last Duel, and yeah, and in The Last Duel, he's playing, a, a like in all of these, he's playing unlikable or uncharismatic characters that he just makes charismatic, which is uh, a real, a real feat of acting. Adam Lavelle. I'm ashamed to have to ask a great favor. My horse has thrown a shoe, and nobody is here. I'm not permitted to open the door. Oh, of course. I just wondered if I could come inside and warm myself while he's reshod. I'm so sorry to have to ask. For a moment, uh, I'm late to ask. Oh. Right. Lady, forgive me for intruding. I love you more than any other, and I would do anything for you. Everything I have is yours. How can you speak to me like this? Marguerite, what way then would I speak to you? Milady, you must know it cannot be helped. My love for you has consumed me. How dare you? Well, lady, when my lord sets his course for love... Do not speak! You must leave now, please. You heard the lady. Leave us! My lord. I am married. Yes. You are saddled with a terrible burden. A cold, callous man who does not love you as I do. Who cannot appreciate you for the marvel that you are. Please! I only want for your happiness. I cannot bear to see you in such hardship. I know your house's finances are fragile. My lord provides for me. Yes? But does he know you to be the most exquisite, fascinating woman? A woman I would devote my whole life to. Oh, hear me say I'm in love with you. I know you love me too. You must. You must leave now, please. Uh, so, uh, that's more love than I thought I was going to give the last duel on this, but <laughs> so it goes. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about the Noscarist show, oh, okay. TV show. Last year, I celebrated the TV show Snowfall. It continues to be one of the best, but I'm not going to talk about it too much. I just other than to say people should be watching this series. The acting is in, everyone who's in it should be a star will be a star the it's a it's a great 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 series and uh can't recommend it enough but my noscarist show is dope sick i know most people don't think about us up there in the mountains many of my patients are miners it's dangerous work and they carry the burden of building this nation on their backs their own pain these people, my people, trusted me. I can't believe how many of them are dead now. We've begun looking at something that could be big. Oxycontin. 
Purdue Pharma, they've been marketing the drug as something that's not addictive when it clearly is. All your doctors are going to be asking, how is this even possible? Your most effective talking point are these magic words. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. They told me that less than 1% would become addicted. Oxycontin does what I think it can. It could soon become Purdue's first billion-dollar drug. Purdue continues to lie about the drug's safety to doctors, to patients, and the FDA. We have a major case here. Addiction rates, overdoses, and crime are on the rise across the country because of this drug. I think maybe the medicine might be just a tad more addictive than you said. I can't live like this anymore. Our community is ground zero for a national catastrophe. Purdue will not move unless we punch hard. This is not our fault. These people want to be addicted. I want top executives to feel some pain. It's crucial they understand we've created the greatest painkiller in the history of human civilization. I think I can make this the biggest drug in the world. Uh, the limited series about the fentanyl, Oxycontin, crisis that was that came about because the pharmaceutical industry captured the regulatory agencies that were supposed to be overseeing them and recategorized uh, certain ailments as needing to be per, you know to get prescribed this particular drug which they were hiding how addictive it was and that led to a massive uh, public health crisis and you know this is when the booze might might start to be watching this show at a time when pharmaceutical giants with the support of media and politicians they underwrite are using the very same playbook Purdue does in this true and recent story to claim the right to determine what is and what isn't medical information. When the case of Purdue Pharma makes it perfectly clear that the greatest spreaders of medical misinformation are the drug manufacturers themselves, well, it was both encouraging and surreal. Encouraging because it made me feel less crazy about some of my own questions about our national health response, and surreal because I saw and heard so little about the series, even though it had big stars in it, and it was on a big network. And it's great. What makes a great TV series for me is, the, uh, and maybe this is just for everyone, is the writing and the cast. And in this cast, we had Michael Keaton, Rosario Dawson, Peter Sarsgaard, uh, Peter Sarsgaard is also one of the voices in The Guilty. We have Michael Stolberg as the the main baddie with the Sackler company. And a couple of really great young actors, Will Poulter. I don't know what else he's been in, but he's been in a lot of different shows. Are you, do you know him? He's the, he's the guy in Detroit, right? 
Isn't he like the bad cop in Detroit? Yes, yeah, he and is. He's in that great uh, interactive yes, Black Mirror episode, uh, Bandersnatch. Yes, he's good. He's funny because he kind of looks like Howdy Doody to me, but he always plays these really kind of intense characters. Uh, I really like him a lot. I think he's great. Uh, and often like classic Oscar. He's always overlooked, and he's always good, and he should be winning awards left and right, but for some reason it just hasn't connected with people yet. Maybe because his characters are usually too difficult to wrap your mind around. I don't know. But, yeah, I love him. And uh, also Caitlin Deaver, who was a big part of, I believe, the second season of Justified. She was the young girl who... uh, Margot Martindale had taken under her wing and who Timothy Oliphant uh, rescues from a, a rough situation. And she's phenomenal in Dope Sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. Uh, I, she didn't get one of my acting awards, but she could be... It's, it's hard to tell who's a lead and who's... <laughs> it's funny. If she was considered the lead, she would be... I would consider her as like the... Actually, she should be. I, you know, I'm changing it right now. She's yeah, she's definitely a Oscar nominee <laughs> for let's say best supporting actress uh, because just a re- a really moving performance from an actor who I think is going to be really really interesting over time. And something I didn't know about this sh- this show, it's created by Danny Strong. Are you familiar with Danny Strong? Yeah, from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Great actor, but he's also a great writer. Been, he's been writing scripts for a while now. Very political stuff. Uh, interesting man. No, I'm, I'm a fan of Danny Strong's. Yeah, I had not put it all together. I, I think he's great in the TV show Billions as Todd Krakow. <laughs> he's always very, very funny, yeah. playing a, a really, like, a simpering kind of, like, the guy you want to kick kind of character. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then to realize that he also uh, worked with Lee Daniels. Yep, the butler. The butler yep. and, the, and the series Empire and wrote and directed Rebel in the Rye, the J.D. Salinger biopic, which I found to be pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, he is now very much on my radar. It's an interesting guy. And to know guy. that he's behind yeah. Dope Sick. Yeah, is there's just a lot to recommend it. And I really, really, really highly rec- recommend, well, now I'm saying recommend a lot. <laughs> I guess maybe because I really want you to see it. And uh, a, a few honorable mentions. I, I thought it was just really fun this year that the TV sh- that we got The White Lotus from Mike White mm-hmm. and Nine Perfect Strangers with Nicole Kidman. These two, like, I think it's very pandemic y. So you have these shows that take place in uh, like with multiple characters in these sort of outdoor, beautiful settings <laughs> doing lots of, I don't know, like watching the social distancing and the, the pandemic times force people into making certain kinds of smaller, you know, 12 angry men <laughs> kind of movies. Yeah, but yeah. That, and both of them are exploring just privileged, I don't know, privileged white weirdos with great actors. And they're not all white, sorry, but it's just privileged weirdos. Uh, I guess The White Lotus definitely gets into more of the the social satire. But I think the two of them just, uh, it, they're the kind of f- shows that could only, I think really would only happen in this time. 
And so maybe one of the good things to go to go back and look at. And same uh, same feeling around Station Eleven. That's a series that I know moved a lot of people. Uh, it's a little bit overdramatic. It's a it's a pandemic story. It's weird because it. So here's a just a world is wrong kind of point. So there are these pandemic like from the stand to Station Eleven pandemic movies where the whole you know 90% of the world gets wiped yeah. out and then people have to survive yeah. the survivors have to navigate that world yeah and what's really weird is that that seems like the most nightmarish scenario unless you're living in a world in which the fact that so many people are not being killed off by it and are just tearing each other apart <laughs> fighting over it that it's sort of like <laughs> it becomes this weird wish fulfillment of like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to go through the pandemic with just two or three other people in <laughs> my town instead of everyone fighting about this, like hating each other? <laughs> so maybe Dope Sick and Station Eleven kind of go together as really good like uh, pandemic watches. I guess that's the, that's the theme of my Noscarist shows is that they all – spoke to this time that we have been going through in a way that I guess uh, that's what TV is in, as you know with the as a euphemism that TV has always done is sort of be present and in the way it's kind of disposable but that also makes it uh, I don't know bear the imprint of its time mm-hmm. more uh, more distinctly yeah. so Let's see. I guess now we now we're into the supporting actress, supporting actor uh, roles. So for my Noscarist supporting actress, I chose. I have a couple of uh, nominees here. Abby Lee as Crystal in Old. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she plays this sort of trophy wife, very vain, self obsessed kind of character and in the context of the TV show I mean in the the film old where people are aging there's a way that that plays out on her character that struck me as per- particularly horrific uh, oh yeah so she so she has this sort of like bone condition right she's the one who can like easily her arm breaks easily correct yeah and there's a scene in a cave <laughs> where you realize cuz not I don't want to give the twist away exactly to old if people haven't seen it because uh, this is an episode about that. But basically, she has the most horrific uh, plight, I feel, of anyone else <laughs> on the island. And yeah. it starts out as sort of like, oh, no, like she's her, she breaks her arm easily. This is really sad. Like, that's horrible. You're on this beach in the middle of nowhere. But then sort of the way that progresses and the way that it kind of turns her basically into a monster uh is really disturbing <laughs> really upsetting and uh yeah it's i think that was definitely the most like disturbing role of the year where you're just like you really because yeah. it's also yeah. like you could tell that she's suffering and it's just like like just the mental capacity of what she must be going through from what she's going through physically just like it's like, truly horrific yeah yeah and then the the other Noscarist supporting actress, along with Caitlin Deaver from Dope Sick, is another uh, actress from 
that show. Jamie Ray Newman as Kathy Sackler in Dope Sick. Uh, she was in one of my last year's nominee films, Valley of the Gods. Mm. And she generally plays like pretty blonde lady kind of characters. And in as Kathy Sackler, she really transformed herself and... She's just kind of uh, wonderfully awful in this in this show, and uh, and I I didn't even recognize her until I thought back on the great performances of the year, and I was like, oh, who was that person? And then when I realized who it actually was, I was like, oh well, she's definitely deserving of some notice. Uh, now let's move on to the Oscarist supporting actor, and. I have two for this as well. One is Chasky Spencer as Teddo in Wild mm, Indian. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Ugh, That's a, this guy is so charismatic yeah. and so, oh, what a performance. Uh, yeah, well, you, well you're, you got excited there. What, what's your take on <laughs> uh It's on just, uh, that is such a good character. That is like, it is so believable, so real. Like, it doesn't feel like an actor when you watch this role. It really feels like they just followed some guy around in his hard life for, like, a week. <laughs> uh, it is a raw, emotional performance, real tough. Uh, a har- a character that's hard to pull off and make, like, sympathetic, because it is sort of, like, the type of character that usually you would see as a bad guy in a movie. But in this, you get mm-hmm. to kind of the core of the why he is this way. And you get to like you just to see a lot of heart within this sort of like rough exterior that he has or has lived, and it's just it's incredible. Like it's that's definitely one of the best performances of last year for sure. Like that actor needs to be in more things. Like yeah, <laughs> he steals the movie for me honestly. Like he's not in the whole movie, but he's great. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, really should be a star making performance. Should be a star-making performance. A really charismatic actor. And, but the but the one that I knew from the second I saw it, that this was the first Oscar that I gave out in my mind of the year. Many, many months ago, I'm watching the film Pig, <laughs> marveling at Nicolas Cage, how great he is in it. And maybe I didn't even realize this until the second watch because the first time I'm watching it, it's all Nicolas Cage. But the scene of the movie is a scene where I'll just, not to ruin the film, this is, I think everyone knows uh, this about the film, that Nicolas Cage plays a former hipster chef from Portland, like the (laughs) great genius chef of Portland who has left that scene to go and live in the world with his beloved truffle pig. And when his beloved truffle pig is stolen, is pignapped, he, <laughs> along with this young guy who has been this sort of like cheesy guy who buys his truffles and, and goes and sells them in the city, they go to try and find the pig. And through this, we get to learn of what a sort of powerful sway the myth of the chef that Nicolas Cage plays was still holds over the city of Portland. And the best, like the scene that everyone talks about in the movie is one where he goes to this very fancy restaurant where 
the guy he's with is afraid to let him in. He's like the whole time the the kid who's bringing him there and wants to be accepted in the Portland uh, restaurant scene. He's sort of embarrassed to have this guy with him. And then every time he shows up, people are like, oh, my God, you're with Obi-Wan Kenobi of chefs. <laughs> and and so there's a place that this fancy place that he has got him into and he sits down and the, the, the main chef comes to sit by, it comes to say hi to them. And you know what? I'll just play the scene. Hi, I'm Chef Finway. Welcome to Eurydice. The food is really good. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Um, we heard there were some new truffles on the menu. Well, we are planning a few truffle dishes for the winter menu. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating and expanding local industry with deep roots in old world uh, traditions. Great. Um. I'm looking for a truffle pig. I don't, I, I, I don't understand. I just want to know about the pig. Tell him who you are. Come on, tell him. Feld. Oh my God. Uh, may I? How are you? My God, you, you, you've been off the scene for what, uh, 10 years? 15. Really? Okay. I thought you would, um, well, I mean, the time is very. Um, sure. Yeah. I'm sorry, do you need medical attention? No. Thank you. Uh, you probably don't remember me, but I actually worked at Hestia. You were a prep cook for two months. Was it two months? I fired you because you always overcooked the pasta. <laughs> ah, ah, now this is excellent. This is a, uh, a 2012 Pinot from just 20 miles away. So do you know about the pig? Why, why do you want a pig? It's my pig. Oh, okay. That, that, that's great. That's a, that's a, that's a great business. It's a, it's a, it's an expanding industry. It's, it's... Someone stole it. I really, um... I respect you, Chef. I always have. But I'm running a business here. And people have expectations. Uh, critics, uh, investors, so forth. And, uh, uh truffles are, 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 are a key part the whole uh, concept of the winter menu, and, and they need to be the top of the line. So you understand. I, I, have, I have the utmost respect for you, utmost. What is the concept? Um, well, uh, we're interested in taking local ingredients, uh, native to this region, and, and just deconstructing them. You know, making the, the familiar feel foreign. 
thereby giving us uh, an even greater appreciation of food as a whole. This is the kind of cooking you like? It's cutting edge. It's very exciting. Exciting. I mean, everybody loves it. You like cooking it? Absolutely. Derek, what was it you always used to talk about opening? Wasn't it a pub? Everyone loves it here. It's, this is a huge success. Why didn't you open your pub? I, 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 I don't know that I, I really wanted. Uh, I mean, it's just, it was such a long time ago. When I fired you, I asked you what you wanted to do. You said you have a few rooms upstairs. A real English pub. Did, did I, say, I say that? Yes. Nobody wants pubs around here. It's a... It's a, it's a it's a terrible investment. What was going to be your signature dish? Liver scotch eggs with a honey curry mustard. <laughs> They're not real. You get that, right? None of it is real. The critics aren't real. The customers aren't real. Because this isn't real. You aren't real. Okay. Derek, why do you care about these people? They don't care about you. None of them. They don't even know you. Because you haven't shown them. Every day you'll wake up and there'll be less of you. You live your life for them and they don't even see you. You don't even see yourself. We don't get a lot of things to really care about. Where's my pick? This actor, David Nell, my choice for the Noscarist Supporting Actor of the Year, as Chef Finway, who shows up sort of proud of his restaurant and to be meeting his old teacher, who he figures probably wouldn't even remember him, and Nicolas Cage just sort of breaks him down and says, yes, I remember you, and I remember why I fired you, and I remembered, you know, you had, you could you could never pull off this. And he sort of sits down and he's like, starts drinking the wine. <laughs> the chef starts drinking the wine. And Nicolas Cage has this great scene where he builds up to saying, why, are you, why do you care about this? Nobody here cares about you. What, you. what was the restaurant that you really wanted to make? Wasn't it a little bistro? And he's, he's not in tears, but this actor is giving a performance that is the epitome of the great supporting actor performances <laughs> because Nicolas Cage is earning what should be his Oscar because, really because this actor is so sensitive and he's in one scene he to to know what it is like to be a supporting actor to walk on set 
and you have one scene with Nicolas Cage and you don't have that much to say, but you have, you, it's not that you have to sell it, that you come in and know that you can and you just give that gift to the movie. <laughs> it is. Wow. David Nell should work constantly for the rest of his life as an actor based off this scene. I would any any movie star wants this guy in <laughs> in his move in their movie because he is such uh yeah, just such a mensch of an actor. Bravo, David Nell. You're you're the award that I'm most proud to be given <laughs> on this episode. Um Okay, but I'm not through with the supporting actors because the most supporting actor of the year has to be Billy Preston in Get Back. <laughs> he saved the Beatles. He came in and saved the Beatles. You haven't seen the movie yet? Spoiler alert. Billy Preston saves the Beatles. He's the most supportive <laughs> actor of all time. Just like, <laughs> Of all time. <laughs> get ready for the booze. Least supporting actor of all time? Well, no, 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 sorry. There are a lot more least supporting, a lot less supporting actors of all time. <laughs> I've seen seen Kirk Douglas be terrible to other actors in movies. So, no. Uh, but the least supporting actor of the year is definitely George Harrison. He's doing everything he can to break <laughs> up the Beatles. Boo, I love George Harrison. <laughs> boo to you. Don't take down George Harrison. He's my favorite Beatle. He's the... He didn't. He wanted to do He's his own thing. Supporting he, wanted, he was ready to move on. He, you know, <laughs> to be the third, we, the third guy below these two other guys writing all the songs. He wanted to make his own music. Ooh, petty. Come on, petty. They were a band long enough. Petty He's, George Harrison. I mean, but I mean, more power to Ringo for staying because Ringo didn't care. Ringo's like, yeah, I'm in this group band. Who cares? You know, I'm going to be married to Barbara Box anyway, someday. You need, I'm to fine. See, you need to see. You need to see the movie. Uh, I know. See what I'm saying. I, I it will it will be watched. They are my you know one of my favorites and yeah. E- even with that dig, and it's I stand by it. He <laughs> he comes off as like everything that we thought Yoko was is actually George Harrison. <laughs> is actually George Harrison. But. When he just takes his guitar out and plays for you, Blue. Start again, eh? <sighs> don't talk when he's playing, uh, gang. Because you're sweet and lovely, girl. I love you. Because you're sweet and lovely, girl. It's true I love you more than ever, girl, I do I want you in the morning, girl I love you So let's keep that and do one more <laughs> Rough mm-hmm. Next time, Rough please floor. So he can get do a Come guitar on. like he wants to I want you at the moment I feel blue. It's like it's I can't even handle it. I can't even <laughs> handle how great that moment is. It's so just he just does it and all those sounds happen right there and you're just sort of like Oh yeah. George. <laughs> uh, I love you. <laughs> um okay. 
and now we're we're gonna we're gonna close out, or I'm gonna close out my my nominees with the the actor and actress Beautiful. awards. Beautiful, I'm excited. Uh, let's start with the Oscarist actress, uh, Jodie Cormier in the Last Duel. You think you're very handsome, do you? You have disgraced me before my king and all of France. You knew what would happen to me should you lose this duel. You knew and you didn't tell me. God will not punish those who tell the truth. My fate and our child's fate will be written not by God's will, but by which old man will die of first. Speak to me this way. What if I to lose? I begged you to find another way, and now I might be burned alive. I am risking my life for you. Hmm. You are risking my life so you can fight your enemy and save your bride. And that could render our child an orphan. Or did you not think of that? You are a hypocrite. You are blinded by your vanity. She's an actress who I'm already very interested in because of her role in Killing Eve. She's a star. I hope she keeps getting to do great things. This is a film that uh, that could be. It's weird. It's the it's the star. It's the role that we're supposed to sympathize with, and and I think this is what she does so well in Killing Eve. There's just a fantastic ambivalence to her style and I think that matches really well actually with Adam Driver that both of them are are playing very ambivalent versions of characters who could be very two-dimensional and uh yeah she should be she, how does how is she not nominated that's crazy it's crazy that she wasn't nominated so Congratulations, Jody Cormier. Uh, Brian, are you going to see The Last Duel? I will. I, you know, I'm not the biggest Ridley Scott fan, but then whenever someone asks me which ones I like, I then list like 20 movies. So maybe I am a big Ridley <laughs> Scott fan. I just like to pull more for Tony Scott because he always gets kicked, you know, when he's down. But like, I will definitely see it. Like, I, it's it's on the list. Yeah, I want to see it. I I will see that and Gucci. I'm going to do them both. So, Noscarist Actor of the Year. They're, the runners-up are Nicolas Cage for Pig. Mm. It, it's uh, I'm glad he didn't get nominated so I can celebrate him in here, but I also am kind of surprised that he didn't get a nomination. Tim Blake Nelson in Old Henry is one of my favorite performances mm-hmm. of the year. Uh, Oscar Isaacs in The Card Counter. Mm. That's a film that, you know, if I was being, if I was just letting all of my favorite, uh, what I think are the best films of the year onto my list, The Card Counter was probably the the one that was was cut off, but should be Mm. on. It kind of got a bad rap as being sort of too much of a downer or too much like, I don't don't even know. (laughs) It's a Paul Schrader movie. Of course it's a downer. (laughs) That's what he does. But it's also, (laughs) but again, this is for me, I like a film that takes on tough stuff is inspirational to me. Yeah. Like to me, a down, like gunpowder milkshake is a downer. 
because it makes it's making light of really heavy stuff. A film that takes on the heavy stuff and finds moments of transcendence in it uh, are is is great. And uh, Oscar Isaac's uh, should definitely. I, I'm surprised he didn't get it. He's. I don't. I don't want him to be on this list because it's such an Oscar type performance that it. They should have done their job and just nominated him, and uh, and he probably could be in the running for most actor this year. If I had seen scenes from a marriage, mm. maybe I would have, uh, but I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so he might be on that list. But this year, it's Adam Driver. I'm sure Oscar Isaac's is going to have more great oh, yeah. years. Both of in them the, will. In the years to yeah. come. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe we've hit the high water mark for Adam Driver. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope not. Anyway, uh, but but my choice for the Oscarist actor is Jake Gyllenhaal in The Guilty. Ooh, uh, unexpected! Best, yeah. I was not expecting this. This is an, Os- an Oscar upset. Yeah. He... Wow. What's up? I need you to do me a favor. Sure thing. What do you need? Okay. Could you send a car over to fifty eight hundred Regis Street, apartment six? It's urgent. Uh, yeah, you got it. Why? I'm working a convicted felon, kidnapped his ex-wife, left two kids at the mother's house. They're alone. I need someone to send a unit over there. Okay, uh, how do you know the kids are in there? I spoke to a little girl, Abby. All right, and, and are the parents home? No, uh, he took her in their mobile somewhere east of the city. Mm-hmm. And did you talk to CHP? Yes, but CHP's looking for the vehicle. Sarge, look. They don't live together, and both of their residents are in our jurisdiction. So I need you to send a, a unit over to the mother's house, and I need you to send another unit <coughs> over to his house. Uh, what is, is there anyone at his house? I, I think he lives alone, but there may be clues to where they're going over his. Mm-hmm. Joe, I Look, we need to hurry, all right? Just get, get a unit over to the mother's house, and then send one over to his and kick his fucking door in if you have to. Uh, what, what, what was that? Kick his fucking door in. Joe, excuse me? I talked to a terrified six-year-old girl, and I promised her that her mother would come home. I'm assuming that there's no warrant for his residence, so I'm going to send someone to the mother's house to check on the kid. No, I need you to send a unit over to his house, and I need you to send a unit over to her house. Joe, it's too much. No, goddammit, Bill. There is a scared little girl whose mother has been abducted. That's enough. It's enough. What are you trying to do? You are in enough trouble already. I will send a car to the mother's house, but I'm not going to have anyone kicking in any fucking doors. It's not your job. I know that. Yeah, well, apparently you don't. It's a, it's just a really a, a powerful film, and it all rests on its lead actor, yeah. and that lead actor happens to be Jake Gyllenhaal, who... Happens to be a, one of the great actors of his generation. He really is. Generation at the top of, like, at, just at his at peak Gyllenhaal. And so yeah. I uh, wonder, you're I, our... Go on. I wonder, like, when he will ever get an Oscar nomination. He's so good. He keeps getting better and better. And he's just, like, this weird... Like, he's famous. As famous as anyone else. But it's like it hasn't... He plays really weird characters. So maybe... Or, like, he's in movies that aren't, like... Oscar-y type movies so maybe that's why like like that new Michael Bay movie Ambulance looks great and he's in it and I can't wait like he's just so there's something truly edgy about him and really just like complex and 
just like and i used to not really care about him when he was younger i thought he was fine but like he just has proven to be just a great yeah like better and better every year like him and nightcrawler one of the best roles yep. ever and i'm really excited to watch yeah. this movie because i love anton fuqua a lot and so this is definitely one that i want to see like badly because i know it'll be great and uh i've already told you who my most actor of the year is adam driver last duel house of gucci annette and i think it's it's only appropriate that i end my nominees with the most actress of the year because it takes us back to bad trip tiffany haddish yeah as the most Sweet. actress of the year Sweet. bad trip the card counter you know who he is who bill teller whatever his real name is you know who he is, right? All I've ever heard was William Tell. Why do you think he has another name? You've been around him. He's a mystery. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Am I in any danger? Of what? Falling in love? Don't be a child. What is his past? I haven't asked. Well, what are you two doing together? I don't have any goals. I'm just along for the ride, one day at a time. Hmm. What do you think he's holding? I don't know, but if you be quiet, we'll find out. All in. Two could not be more different movies. Yeah. And she's at the, and she's playing very, very different characters, and she's at the heart of both of them. And I haven't seen here today where she's with Billy Crystal. And I got to because in the middle of like if I, I feel like that's got to be the the one that uh, that brings it all together. But because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll make me interested in Billy Crystal again, which is that, that is a pretty exciting, <laughs> exciting feat. So, yeah, you know, I, I would say congratulations to Tiffany Haddish. But. You know, she fine. doesn't need our help. What I'll <laughs> say is congratulations us. to us in the world that we have Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. Having this kind of run. Yeah, she's and, great. Uh, Gosh. Yeah. Love her. Yeah. No, this is good. Yeah. So some good I think Bad Trip was kind of the sweep with three different people talk about that movie. Yeah. Oh, and, and old. Three people talked about you talked about old. So old and bad trip are kind of the sweepy ones. Where more than just us gave it some love. Yeah, that's pretty that's good. A, I, then, I'm I'm pretty surprised. I did not yeah, see that coming. Yeah, and then uh, and in between us, it would be Annette. Annette is our. The, the, we both agree on best picture is amazing. I wonder if this will ever happen again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and uh, AJ and I are both uh, fans of Get Back. We both g- gave some love. I, to if Get I Back. see it, I bet I will too. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, how can you not? It's. So good, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I have a heart. I love it. <laughs> there's a the only critique I've heard from people I don't trust, and there's people. It's like with that movie, it's people that I trust saying like it's so fascinating. You're just watching them create these things and they're dynamic, and you're just a fly on the wall in this room that you like you always wanted to be. And gosh, it's like the greatest feeling in the world. And it just builds and builds to the end, and you're just you just leave feeling like that's the greatest movie ever. And then there's a few people I don't trust who are like, yeah, it's really boring. I turned it off. <laughs> They're just like noodling on a guitar. I don't get it. 
just like there's nothing happening <laughs> it's like okay don't trust you like in fact i never need to hear your opinion on anything ever again <laughs> so like you're fine now i know which people i don't ever even need to ask what do you like i can just be like you're fine you you can all hang out together at the kids table and we'll be over here enjoying this beatles movie so now it's like within the next month i'm gonna dig in like i just i know well, you're like this. I know when something's going to be so good and it's going to make me full of good yeah. feelings. I can't. I just got to save that. You know, like I need to save that for when I need that or when I know it's going to take it all in. You know, like, yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Well, well, hey, we did it. The Noscars. <laughs> this has been a it's been a fantastic, it's been a, a, a fantastic yeah. second, second annual Noscars. Yeah. Um, Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, this is my favorite time of the year. Like, I'm so glad that we've done this. And, like, I can't believe it's been a year since the last one. Like, that's crazy. That And yeah. so many good movies. I feel like my list was longer this year than last year. Like, I think this is oh, more definitely. stuff that I liked. So, like, I had more exciting things that were being made. So let's hope 2022 is even bit better. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's some exciting films coming and. <laughs> They probably won't get any nominations either. Yeah. You know? no. As long as the Academy the Os- keeps not doing existing. their job. That allowed- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, when we recorded this, the Oscars haven't happened yet. And I'm sure it'll be very disappointing. <laughs> Maybe already, we can mention it on the outro of one of the next two episodes where we're zeroing in on movies from 2021. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're already fucking so, up with like cutting awards out of the. Th- it's just they're always so they make such mistakes. They never learn. <laughs> th- that's why the greatest honor, as to, they say that it's the the greatest honor is to be nominated. No, the greatest honor is to be booed at the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, who will be booed this year? Because there's a lot that could be said oh, about who knows what. Oh, so they'll pro it, it'll they'll, it'll get cut out. It'll be edited out by editors who oh. are not. So, treated with yeah. the respect of being film artists it's the it's yeah the that's, world is that's gonna be the interesting because all wrong. the i predict oscar prediction and even though this comes out what a, a week before right week after yeah all the people that got cut like the editor and composer they're all in their speech going to mention what a bunch of bullshit it is and how disrespectful it is and i have a feeling that we aren't going to see that <laughs> And that's going to be cut out by the Academy because it's all pre-recorded, and they're going to just like make it into a montage of like the moment when they like pick up the Oscar, then the rest is all <laughs> cut out. <laughs> but hopefully that means if the other people who are on TV, the actor, actress, director, all these people, if they don't give a shout out to those people, then they they're not standing with them, you know. Yeah, they should like everyone in their speech that they know is televised should give a shout out to the people that are not being allowed to do it in front of an uh, the same audience. Because supposedly these people that are cut, they keep saying, "Oh, they will be included," but they're just going to be in front of seat fillers. Like it's while the red carpet is going on. So it's like the like best like short film is always great to do on live TV because these are like up and coming people that have never don't have the money or the backing to make stuff. And usually their movies are more political and they're more about important things. And these are people just getting their start. And the fact that you're taking that moment from them to be able to stand in front of all of Hollywood and be, and be excited and they get attention is garbage. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, yeah. And then what's next? Like, so if you're doing composer, which is insane, so you're going to make John Williams and Danny Elfman just like show up early. 
But then what's next? The screenwriters? Like, where does it end? Is it just going to only be famous people just to boost ratings? It's so dumb. Okay, rant over. <laughs> so, here's the, so here's the question. What is going to get booed? Because we are in such weird, odd political times. So, first of all... Uh, no, I, like, movie stuff, like, I well, I know it's when someone gets up and talks about politics. So I don't think if someone gets up, like if one of the actors or directors gets up and says, the editor should be here, the people, you know, the, I, whoever they'll get, they'll get applauded. They're not going to get applauded. Get that's a, that's a popular <laughs> point of view. And if you're powerful enough, like the person who's the, who's powerful enough not to worry about having to get fired will you know or get it get canceled by the academy like you there's room to critique the academy for the famous enough person to show solidarity so i think that's a popular stand that's not going to get him booed if you if there's going to be like stuff for the ukraine for ukraine <laughs> that's going to get cheered but if you if you speak out against that if you st- say like hey wait a second remember mccarthyism maybe we shouldn't hate russians i bet they'll get booed <laughs> And if anyone talks about the vaccination stuff from this, like, there's going to be, I don't know, that's going to get, that's, that feels like that's the area where you might get some I think weirdness. it's going to be whoever wins for Power Dog saying something ill about Sam Elliott. And then some people will boo because people like Sam Elliott. <laughs> that's already been happening. <laughs> last week so jane campion you think so jane campion i think she can she's gonna like stick it to the she's gonna stick it to the fake cowboys and there'll be some booze from some of the older people in the audience or the more conservative people that like the fake cowboys you know because sam elliott is a liked person but then he spoke out against power the dog in a weird way and so i feel like i can see her kind of like defending herself and women and australia and that movie and gay people and like can do and that could still get some jeers from people because like he's loved he was in you know stars born like bradley cooper and him like yeah you know, made a movie so it's like i can see some people being like don't pick on sam elliott you know like when people got are you of that mind <laughs> the don't pick on sam elliott yeah uh i haven't seen power of the dog so i don't know but i i don't know his opinion seems strange <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen the movie, but I do agree that of like, how what do you know about the real West? You're not a you're an actor, like Clint Eastwood doesn't know about the real West either. Nor does John Wayne. It's ridiculous. <laughs> hey, you know what, Sam? Instead of tearing down Power of the Dog, maybe you should be building up Old Henry. How about that? Like celebrate yeah, be like the- here's a western that was the way it was or whatever <laughs> yeah or, or or yeah I don't know that's the bet that's a pretty good Sam Elliott I just did there um that's <laughs> yeah no I agree yeah why take da- not to go on a tangent but like it's dumb to hate that power to dog for being shot in Australia because I bet he loves him some spaghetti westerns that like spaghetti westerns those are shot in Italy <laughs> that's not the Wild West all those Clint Eastwood movies those Mexicans were played by Italians. <laughs> That's there's nothing real about it, and also it's all movies. There's nothing real about any of it. (laughs) Yeah, are we really supposed to believe that George Costanza (laughs) is Italian? Come on! Oh, he's based on Larry David. (laughs) That's he's the most Jewish Italian. (laughs) 
television. I rewatched that show and that came up and I totally forgot. And I was like, wait, that whole family is supposed to be Italian. That makes no sense. They're clearly Jewish. They just, they thought that maybe there was too much of that on that show. So they had to make them Italian. It's so weird. Nobody's buying it. <laughs> maybe that was like the deal they made. They're like, okay, fine. We can have this very Jewish show, but the most Jewish of characters has to be Italian. Actually, you know what? Like, uh, Elaine's okay. not supposed to be Jewish. <laughs> just like... As I guess, no, and, and they're Kramer, clearly a, and all, yeah, Kramer's the only one that is believably not, but the other three are definitely supposed to be at least because they're all the voice of Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. It's ridiculous because I always assumed Elaine was Jew- like rewatching it. I was just like, I thought it was about all these Jewish people, but only Jerry's supposed to be. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, <laughs> it is. The so, times have changed, yeah, I guess. Yeah. How do we get there? I don't know. Because that's what we do. This is why we have... All right. Well, Oscar's rant. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we went just... from Sam Elliott getting booed to George Scanza. Uh, anyways, let's wrap it up. Uh, so, yes, we are going to be posting this entire list of nominees in some fashion in the show notes and on our website so you can check back and uh, spend the year watching these films while you also watch the new films that are coming out in the coming year. If you feel like there are films that we should have covered that we didn't, you can write to us and tell us at contact at theworldiswrongpodcast.com. Of course, you can find a page devoted to every one of our episodes at www.theworldiswrongpodcast.com. And you can find us on the social medias at Instagram at the world is wrong podcast and on Twitter at world is wrong pod. And I think that's all of that. And we're not <laughs> done with our Noscar love because the next two episodes, we're going to be digging a little bit deeper into a couple of films that we discussed on this episode. Next week, we will be talking about Dinner in America, one of Brian's nominees. And the week after that, we'll be talking about Wild Indian, one of my Noscar nominees. I think we're both in agreement that both these films are pretty Excellent. great. Excellent. Yes, yes. No, I'm excited. Yeah. So an exciting couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot to our guests, AJ Gonzalez and to Jen Brown. Thank you, Brian, for hanging for one more epic Noscars uh, episode. And uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks to all of us. It's been a great it's been a great year in film. And may it be another great year in film. And until next time, just remember that whether you were nominated or nominated or neither, wherever you are, the world is wrong and it is probably wrong about you. Oh!